Hi, this is Jonathan Tiersten from The Perfect House and Sleepaway Camp, and you are listening to The Real Nerds Podcast. Hey, Real Nerds listeners, your favorite host Ryan here to remind you that social media is great. How great is it? There's many ways you can find The Real Nerds on social media. You can download us on iTunes. You can listen to us streaming on Stitcher Radio. You can call us 720-6NERDS5. Oh man, our website is so cool. You can visit our website, realnerdspodcast.com. You want to leave some fan mail? Oh, that's so easy, realnerds at gmail.com. Twitter, we got it, at real underscore nerds. You can even like us on Facebook. Thank you so much, and hey, enjoy the show. Welcome to Real Nerds Podcast, the only podcast out on the internet where Brad can hate on the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. I am your host, Zach Eastman. You always do it like like sexy and quiet to start off with. I, I like it. It's not yeah. as like... You know, aggressive as Ryan used to host. Like. It's it's it, he. You know what's the problem is, is that he's too forceful. I'm that gentlemanly lover. I know, say like I say used to host because, um, ladies and gentlemen, Ryan had a baby this week. Yes, and everything went very well. Uh, baby is alive, and mother is alive, and, and they are both know, growing and getting older. Baby. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and does looks like Ryan. Thank yeah, God, it does. Uh, really looks like Ryan. Um, so good for him and good for Laura. Uh, hopefully everything is, is still going well with them and we wish them all the best of luck for the next few weeks as he remains not on the podcast. Um, but don't worry. He'll, uh, I hear he'll be returning for something. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah he yeah. said something to me about it, but then again, he was also massively drunk. Probably the next <laughs> Johnny Depp movie or Jason Statham film. Yeah. I'd have to imagine one of those. It can't be. He's such a big fan. He's always talking about how he loves... Loves um, he, Johnny Depp. He, yeah, he loves Pirates of the Caribbean. He loves Secret Window. You know, yep. he he loves Chocolat. He loves Chocolat is his favorite film of all Sh- time. Chocolat is his favorite film of yeah. all time. Who's his favorite? His favorite superhero is Tonto, right? Uh, yeah. Yes, yep, actually, <laughs> Tonto's not really a superhero. <laughs> I don't know. He's um, he's a mighty warrior. He's got yeah no he well he did that like walk thing where he walks on the ladder as it doesn't get hit by a train right that's, that's right. like a superpower that's he like has walk on ladder powers right on um, it's very useful in the wild west that's true um, Zach we're not alone no we're not Someone we have a special guest room. with us today <laughs> ladies and gentlemen welcome Shaughnessy McDaniel yeah go ahead and introduce yourself uh, hi I'm Shaughnessy McDaniel um, I'm with the Stubby Shillelies very cool what do you guys do uh, we are a nerdy Celtic folk band from uh, northern Colorado. I live here in Denver, but the rest of the band lives uh, up in Greeley. But uh, That sounds like one of those things where you could say you are the Nordic Celtic geeky folk band. <laughs> the. Um, not, not A. Like, I don't the. know that. Uh, yeah, I, how many, especially in Colorado. Like, that seems, that's very niche. It, 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 yeah, it is pretty niche. There's, there, <laughs> there's, uh, there's like... There's like one other band, Pandora Celtica, that's like. Well, fuck those guys. <laughs> <laughs> we'll start the war right now. <laughs> oh man! Oh no! <laughs> this uh, escalated very quickly. I yep. know. Yeah. It's like the beer hall in Germany. <laughs> We're going way too fast. Uh, what did you do, Shaughnessy? So you declared war on another band on the podcast. <laughs> Sorry, guys. You shouldn't no. send me to do interviews anymore. I guess. <laughs> uh, very cool. How long have you guys been doing it? 
Um, almost, we'll be celebrating our fourth anniversary, the, the fourth anniversary of our first show um, at the end of October. So, so it's been, we've been together for a little over four years. We've been gigging for slightly less than four years cool. now. So, so what do you play? Um, I play the guitar and mandolin. All right. Yeah, and I've heard about a Star Wars video, because I haven't seen it yet, but I've heard about a Star Wars video kind of thing that you guys It's do? a Batman video. Sorry, Batman video. That's yeah, it. Batman video. There will be, I think, and I think it's the exclusive scoop, <gasps> there will be a Star Wars video, but it's going to be pretty far out. Like, uh, close like to, close to, close enough to release the release date? of a certain film? That seems I like Sean. Oh, Sean, he's got my style. I totally you can cut that. this tension with a knife, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. I'll, I'll see. Well, <laughs> mostly it's about you know uh, recouping some of our losses from this the, from the latest video, the Batman video. <laughs> the Batman video. Okay. So, like, <laughs> so explain the Batman video. So the song that we did, um, mm-hmm. Gotham's Finest, it fits in perfectly with your podcast because it's based off the Christopher Nolan Dark Knight trilogy. Cool. Okay. Um, so each of the villains has their own verse in the song. So we have um, so we have nice. Scarecrow, Joker, uh, then we have a Catwoman verse, a Bane verse, and then finally Batman gets to have his word. Does oh, Talia al Ghul have one? Uh, no. Uh, Talia al Ghul's not in The Dark Knight Rises. Oh, uh, yeah, what are you talking about? I'm sorry. <laughs> spoiler <laughs> alert. What, <laughs> two years? I'm pretty sure they missed the window on spoiler alert for that movie. <laughs> <laughs> That's, I, I don't know. I, kinda, I don't know how you guys feel about spoilers, but I'm like, You've got like, I think you've got like a three to six month window after something comes out before like, especially something that big. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 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 Some, ones some, you some things you don't talk about. You don't talk about the end of the first book of Walking Dead. You don't talk. You know, there are certain things you don't talk about. But do you think one of those is the Sixth Sense ending? Uh, no, it no, everybody that's, fucking that, knows. Everybody if you haven't seen that. it yet, that yeah. movie was 15 years, years ago. ago. 15 yeah. years. Yeah, but there, there's some people who I'm just like, I don't want to tell them. <laughs> <laughs> there's some people who haven't seen it out there, and I'm like, I'm not going to tell them. Why I, would wouldn't, I, wouldn't tell, I wouldn't tell somebody that if I thought it was actually going to blow their mind. Yeah. <laughs> but if it was going to blow their mind and they hadn't seen it yet, yeah. I don't know, I just wonder what rock they were living under. Like if, I, if I met a child, like if I met like a six-year-old who had not seen Star Wars yet, like was about to watch Star Wars for the first time, I would not run up to them and go, Darth Vader's Luke's father. <laughs> like, that would be evil. Yeah, that would be terrible. Um, but if I were like having a conversation on the internet about how Darth Vader is Luke's father, and somebody wrote me an email, we're like, what the fuck? I'd be like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Why didn't like, you read the yeah. rest of the message? Yeah, <laughs> Well, that's the thing. And some of it is that like, there are also just certain things that are kind of like ubiquitous now. Yeah, yeah. Right. Spoilers everybody knows. Spoilers. Do, you, do you feel that spoilers have ruined films? The, do you think the internet has ruined uh, the enjoyment of the movie-going experience? Oh, that's interesting. That was not. These are not questions I was prepared to ask. But it's all right. It's all right. I'm ready. I'm ready for this. We are a nerd podcast. We want to mix it up that's with all, you. That's, all, that's all right. I mean, I'm a I'm a giant nerd, and I'm a and I'm a and I'm a filmmaker. So, um, spoilers ruining the experience of movie going. Um, I think to a certain extent, but it also depends. Like for me, for example, I actually tend to avoid movie websites and forums and things like that with a few exceptions. Yeah. Like, I still like to go to the Force.net Jedi Council forums. Some of that's a bit of nostalgia. Yeah. I've been going there since I was 12. Yeah. Nice. And so I still I still go there. But then again, they also have very distinct, like, spoiler and non-spoiler forums that are moderated pretty well. I wouldn't, and they're, yeah. and they're, and they're uh, clearly identified. Like, if you've ever been on a message board yeah. before, it says, like, star spoilers. Yeah, star. I don't go to most spoiler boards because they're just filled with jack-offs <laughs> that, 
you know they like ruining well, fun. And, 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 <laughs> you know, as soon as I see somebody like doing kind of the troll thing, I'm kind of done with whatever sector of that of the internet that I'm in there. <laughs> we come yeah. from Which a different means, world because I love reading the trollies. <laughs> it's like, so well, mostly funny. it's just like it's okay. If they're terrible, like, if, but it's they're okay funny. If there's like one or two buttholes yeah. doing it. But like there are times when like you go in and and like you've just like walked into this flame war. That's yeah. it. Sometimes like that's all it is anymore. And I'm like, yeah. well, for one thing, I wasn't there at the beginning, so I don't know the context that this is loosely. Based I don't know on. whose mother they're insulting in yeah, this particular exa- exactly. panel. <laughs> who who can I call? Uh, you know, who can I call fat or whatever? I just don't know. It becomes like an old PC like hard drive cloister scan where you're going through <laughs> one cloister at a time, and sometimes it's just a bad cloister. And I just can't go back to that corner anymore. <laughs> and it's called 4chan. And it's the rectum of the internet. That's what, I've gotten a lot less interactive on the on things that aren't social media. I've gotten a lot less interactive than I used to be. I yeah. used to very like before social media when you'd have to go to chat rooms and forums and stuff. I used to be very much like a dude who kind of lives on the internet. Yeah. And since since you social, got a life since, since social <laughs> well that's true. I do have a I do have a job and sometimes I get to go on dates with women. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> uh, but other than wow. that, fuck <laughs> us. <laughs> Welcome to Gigglecast. <laughs> <laughs> but other, but other, but other than that, like you know, it's just yeah. not. And like, I try, and I try not to get too. Social media made the internet very small. Yeah. yeah. Um, all right. Well, so um, are all is all of your music based on DC characters? Um, I would say that was desperately have, trying to get I this have, back I, on track. I know. I know. Is there a we're Green Arrow song to... I can listen to? Because I'm watching Arrow now. Well, we're actually so right now we have. We have several nerd songs that are available. We have the Jedi Drinking Song, which is actually a cover from a band called the Dust Rhinos out of Canada. Oh, cool. But it's a really it's a really good one. That one's available on our live CD, Parental Advisory Live. Um, our last <laughs> CD, Celtic American, has three nerd tracks on it, basically. Cool. It has... Sorry. Um, <laughs> it has a Batman song, our, our Gotham's Finest. Mm-hmm. Um, and it has an Avengers song called A Toast to Phil, and then in parentheses, Earth's <laughs> Mightiest Heroes. Hell yeah. And then we also did a cover from one of our favorite heavy metal bands, Iced Earth, uh, which is a song called Question of Heaven, which is about Spawn. Nice. Wow. So it, it's a very like obscure a song cut. about a fairly obscure comic book character from a fairly obscure heavy metal band, <laughs> and we did a Celtic folk version of it. So <laughs> that's the <laughs> ultimate meta. <laughs> I know it, it is. It is. It is definitely like the new wave of nerd, like solidified. Yeah. <laughs> Next thing that's you know, cool. they're gonna start doing like Ro- Ro- Rorschach raps or something like that from the Watchmen. <laughs> My name is Rorschach, and I'm here to say <laughs> they'll ask for help, and I'll say no way. <laughs> Oh my god, that was awesome. Oh Holy god. shit. There's I'm a, so glad I have that wait, on wax. Is there a way to, like, hold on. This is the way I applaud, is just by tapping the mic. <laughs> oh my god. So, what's, what's the rest of it? Is it all more traditional Celtic music? Yeah, or are you guys, so like, we do, we do kind of up? a mix. We do. And, and that's why, like, one of the things that's really fun about this band that we really like is that we have, we have kind of three different groups that we play for. We have our pub group, which is really about, like, kind of loud, fast, and just, like, making you want to drink. Yeah. And then we have our, um, we have, like, our music festival crowd and, like, our more proper concert crowd where we do some of the more musically technical want to get things. impressed, yeah. And more orchestra. Yeah, and then, we, and then we have our convention crowd. So we played at, uh, we played at Galaxy Fest, we played at Star Fest, and we played, um, we played the kickoff party at the Hard Rock for Denver Comic Con, and we played on the Denver Comic Con 
floor this last year. Cool. So Excellent. We have, you know, we have a lot of, and we have a lot of nerd material that we haven't recorded. Mm-hmm. And some of that is that it's original material that we just haven't gotten around to recording yet. And some of it is that it's covers of other people's stuff that we, well, at yeah. least before our last recording had not gotten permission for. We've gotten permission for a few more. I don't know if you guys are familiar with Voltaire. No, um, um, he does a lot of he does a lot of Star Trek songs, and he's kind of big. Yeah. He's kind of big in like the steampunk and goth community right now. Oh, okay. But, I've heard um, the name, but yeah, we just got permission from him to do a couple of the Star Trek songs of his that we cover, and so we're probably going to be recording that on the next album, which is going to be um, at least right now. It's possible that we're going to do a live album before, but um, I think I could probably give you a second scoop. <gasps> is this one about girls? No. <laughs> oh fuck. No. All right, go ahead. How many Doctor uh, Who groupies do you bang? Come on, tell me. God damn it. He's going to give us a scoop. <laughs> Hold on. There is, a, there is a song about Doctor Who groupies, though. Kind oh. of. Uh, but the, the next album, at least as we're planning it right now, is going to be just nerd songs, which we haven't done before. Wow. Nice. Um, so one of them is a Doctor Who song that I've been working on um, that's about, like, basically it's about this dude who, who starts dating this Doctor Who fan, and he doesn't like Doctor Who. <laughs> and... <laughs> By the end of the song, because he's had to watch so much Doctor... And so it's like, basically, it's an excuse for me to, like, point out my gripes with Doctor Who. <laughs> but still, at the, end, at the end of the day, like, I mean, I, I still watch Doctor Who, so... Oh. <laughs> like any proper... Oh, yeah, my I, blood brother. Oh. <laughs> River Song is the worst thing to ever happen to Doctor Who. Um, I'm loving Capaldi, cool. though. I'm loving yeah? it. I, I missed this I week. I haven't seen him so. yet. Yeah, it's, it's, it's good. It's good. It's it's dark yeah. and he's Scottish, so it's it's a little bit more my thing. Yeah, so I was just gonna it's say not, it's not the goofy Matt Smith. Yeah, kind of I liked goofy Matt. I Smith, just personally. want them to um, kick him off it off the show. Um, <laughs> I want to ask you a quick question. So okay. your name is Shaughnessy McDaniel. How'd you get into Celtic music? <laughs> <laughs> well, my parents had apparently set me up to be the world's biggest Irish stereotype. <laughs> If I'd had red hair, I would have just completed the package. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, my my dad was always really into like Celtic culture and stuff. Um, you know, right now we got the um, Longs Peak Highland Festival going on up in Estes. Usually I go, but this weekend I had a bunch of other stuff to do. So, did you did you learn mandolin growing up? Um, no, I actually didn't learn it until, um, Actually, until we started the Stubby Shillelaghs. I hmm. played guitar since I was, like, I don't know, 11 or so. Yeah. Um, but I didn't, I didn't start playing. My sister had played the mandolin, and uh, she was well, like, my, like, fuck that, give me. Yeah. <laughs> well, she was, living with my parents, she was living with my parents for a little bit um, mm-hmm. before she moved back uh, up to Canada um, with, her, with her now husband. Um, so, like, I just picked it up one day, and we just, the band just wanted to jam. That was mm-hmm. the, it wasn't like, we should make a band and do right, this yeah. as, like, it was you just, know, as, it, as, as like, a part-time job, basically. It was what just it like, now. let's just chill out and relax. Yeah, mm-hmm. and drink, drink some beers and play some tunes. And then, like, you know, we played one show just thinking, oh, let, for a laugh, let's go play a show at a pub. And then they offered us, because everybody responded to it so well, they offered us a weekly gig, mm. which we've been doing for almost four years now. So. Wow. Nice. Very cool. So that's, yeah, it's... So you hear that, kids? The Celtic, even the Celtic, I, a Celtic band dreams come true just like yeah. by hard work and determination. And uh, let me lie to you, kids. You get all the ladies. <laughs> <laughs> What time? <laughs> what kind of tail is pulled by that? <laughs> Dude, you don't want to know. Oh. <laughs> you don't want to know. Cool. Well, thank you so much yeah. for coming on the show. Where can we find your music? Yeah, where can well, we find you guys? I didn't even tell you about the premiere event. Oh, my That's goodness. Right. 
We got scoop. on so many like fun other tangents about other weird shit. We got a Rorschach What's... rap. <laughs> we got a Rorschach rap, but I didn't tell you about the charity event that I, I was here to talk about. Uh, so on September 20th at the Crest in Greeley, Colorado, we're doing our charity event. So the thing with Gotham's Finest is that we're donating 25% of all the proceeds from the song. So obviously it'll be up on YouTube for people to watch, but hopefully they'll go and buy it on iTunes, Amazon, whatever. 25% of the proceeds from that will be going to the Children's Miracle Network of Hospitals. Um, and then the, the premiere event that we're doing, 100% of the money that we make from that um, is going to Children's Miracle Network of Hospitals. So um, it's at the Crest Theater in Greeley, Colorado from 7 to 9 on September 20th. Uh, entry is free. There's a suggested $5 donation. We're going to be doing uh, – we've got raffle tickets. We've got uh, – we're gonna have uh, we're gonna have uh, you know co we're gonna have cosplayers there to do pictures and things like that and so it's gonna be it's gonna be a lot of fun it's you know kind of our um, you know we, we we really went all out on this video so we tried to make it really cinematic and and really fun I think everybody's gonna gonna really enjoy it but mostly we wanted to make sure that you know if we were gonna do this kind of like self indulgent like super nerd thing mm -hmm. like we did that we, we that we did something that kind of helped uh, helped give back so um, cool. so like I said so you know and if you know and if your listeners want to they don't have to wait to go buy Gotham's finest it's out on iTunes and Amazon now and we've been doing the 25% of the proceeds to charity for a while for now yeah um, it's just that nobody's been buying the track <laughs> <laughs> but that so, needs to change today, well, folks. So get on over to iTunes. Get on over to Amazon. Look it up. What is it? What's the called, band called again? It's the Stubby Shillelaghs. Stubby Shillelaghs. Look Can them up. Can you spell that? Because the internet's dumb. Yeah. 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 Um, so the Stubby Shillelaghs is spelled S T U B B Y. Mm -hmm. That's the easy part. Space. <laughs> S H I L L E L A G H S. Cool. You can also find us at thestubbies.net, which is a little bit easier to oh, spell. Oh, thank God. <laughs> um, and then usually if you type in The Stubby on Facebook, <laughs> our name will just pop up. Oh, oh, so we're, oh my God, that's be, so perfect. Well, usually when you type in The Stubby, if Zach types in The Stubby on Facebook, it means something, something completely different. different. <laughs> well, I don't know what pages you're liking, but for the normal person you don't out know. there, it'll probably work like that. Oh, very cool. It's called very cool. Point. Sorry, you anyway. were trying to wrap us up, and I ended up going on another like four-minute tangent. No. No, 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 That's what Sweet. we're here to I'm talk about. I'm all hopped about. up on sugar, man. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm so glad I didn't offer you a I'm the one deal. who had the third can of Mountain Dew. You're <laughs> uh, it, that was like four, dude. I've been yeah. counting. <laughs> uh, cool. All right. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thanks for um, having me. We are, what are we doing? Oh, you know what? We have actually, Zach, we've got fan mail this week. Fan mail? Uh-huh. Hey, real nerds, it's Ryan. You know, me, the host. I just wanted to call and let you know that the littlest real nerd has been born. Kellen Leon Frost was born on September 2nd. Okay, I'm just kidding. Zach Eastman, you will never replace me. My shoes are so big to fill, you don't even know what hurt you're in for when I get back. You don't even know, bro. You don't even know. Oh, and by the way, can't think of any Wesley Snipes action movies. Uh, Passenger 57 and Demolition Man are great. So, yeah, real nerd Zach Eastman, Brad, Zach, James, get ready. When I come back, I'm laying the boom down. 
piece, bitches. I don't know what laying the boom down means. I, I, I. Is that, well, is you know like how a, I also, you know how I type in stubbies? I also type in laying down the boom. Um, it sounds like a Kevin James movie. <laughs> yeah, laying down the, here comes the boom, huh. laying in the boom. I mean, no, still, yeah. I mean, I, he's like, right, Demolition Man and Passenger 57. Um, is Passenger 57 good? I, I've never I seen, seen it. it. I just yeah, know it exists. No one saw it. it. I mean, is Demolition Man, though, like, objectively good? <laughs> I mean... <laughs> This is it, yes, boom, Ryan. Fair. Boom. There's the boom right there, courtesy of the stubby shillelagh himself. I would, I would argue that U.S. Marshals is good. Yes. Oh, U.S. No, Marshals I, is good. We had good things to say about it last yeah, week. I think yeah. Ryan's just. I just wish that man would pay his goddamn taxes. Ryan is. <laughs> Ryan is just upset because he has a kid right now and he doesn't get to have all these fun nerd parties anymore. You know, like he can't. I'm sure he's going to be too busy to go to the event, but you all should. Go to the Stubby Shillelagh's charity event. You fucking whore. Yeah. We're, we're moving on to the podcast now. <laughs> but, I'm I'm still, but I'm still here for some reason. <laughs> They're um, not letting me leave. <laughs> we have him bound to the uh, chair, folks. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I was trying I, I mean, to be nice about the baby, but I guess yeah, fucking dickbag. Anyway. Yeah. But anyway, um, cool. Ryan, fuck you, Ryan. You know, I think I'm doing a fine job hosting this show, and I, when you come back... James and Brad are just going to be like, we want to replace you right away. It it feels like it's falling apart without you, Ryan. <laughs> but still, <laughs> I got um, a Rorschach rap on here. Yeah, I have a microphone. Yeah. I think that I think that's a pretty good sign of the of the degradation <laughs> of the overall system. Yeah. I turned this into the like corniest '70s show ever. Oh. <laughs> Ladies right. and gentlemen, Mr. Conway Twitty. <laughs> cool. Should I'm gonna put some Conway in there now. Um, <laughs> so, uh, box office numbers. Box office numbers. Yeah. This is the box office stats. Guardians of the Galaxy. Again? Of yeah. <laughs> duh, duh. What the fuck else was gonna win? In um, other news, Guardians of the Galaxy is still the only movie out, folks. <laughs> yeah. What did we see last week? Oh Boyhood. yeah, Boyhood, which has been out forever and no one is seeing it. Um, uh. I, I let me let me just keep scrolling. Okay, so Boyhood was uh, number sixteen last week, down from number twelve uh, at one point nine million dollars, which is too bad. But, uh, it's, still but ma- it's making a lot of money for yeah. a film on a limited release. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it's it's Boyhood. Like, not a lot of people are going to run out to see the movie that took twelve years to make. Right. Um. The but yeah, Guardians is doing well. Um. Have you seen Guardians? Oh, I love Guardians. Yeah, I love Guardians. Isn't that shit dope, man. It was, was so good. It was amazing. It was amazing that like. It was amazing how much I loved a two hundred million dollar comedy. Yeah, Which, I right. mean, that, I mean, I guess right. that was the way. I, that was the way I really saw. It. I mean, it was a comedy that had action sequences, like how most of the other Marvel movies are action movies that have, that have comedy, comedy sequences. sequences. Yeah, totally. it's the vice versa in this one. What did you think yeah. of the uh, the well, spoilers? If anybody hasn't seen Guardians of the Galaxy, but what did you think of the post credit sequence? Um. Well, I was definitely surprised. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love getting that, that reaction out of people. I don't. I guess I won't say. I, I guess I won't say which character appears, but can we say it? No, <laughs> damn, no, no, that's no, no. right. This but all I'll say fun. is, it's holy shit! Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was. It was the one character from the Marvel universe that I would not have expected to ever see again right. in the like in the in, in the, the serious in the cinematic, in the cinematic universe of Marvel. Right. Yeah. So well, you sort in of the serious like, tone that they're taking now. Yeah. yeah. You sort of always thought that somebody like you know Cosmo, the you know like that dog might show up at some point, but 
you, the what, rest of it, no. Yeah, what that, you, this well, character was not supposed to ever well, show up. I think it's interesting because they're getting into such they're getting into such like weird corners of the Marvel universe that I wouldn't have expected. And I guess some of it is that they have to because two of their biggest franchises are not under their control still. Right. They're yeah. having to mine other areas, but they're doing it in really interesting ways. So yeah. I'm still. It doesn't matter what Marvel puts out, even if it's a comic book that I never read. And I, I've read a few in my time. Yeah. <laughs> But I'm I'm still excited about it because I know that every approach that they're taking to it has been the approach has been solid. Not every movie's been great. I was not a big fan of Iron Man's two and three. Yeah. But I think that I think that overall the way that they're doing it, no matter what franchise they're tackling, they know how to deal with their own franchise. Absolutely. And, it, and it's kind of cool that because they're doing those weird ones like you're talking about, we're getting to see stuff that like you go into a Spider-Man movie, you kind of know what you're going to get. Like it may be great. But you kind of know what you're going to get. Whereas, dude, this movie took us to nowhere. Like, who would have thought you would have seen a place like that? Even in, like, a cool Star Wars movie, like seeing a a basically, like, weird planet space station thing where they mine goo out of a giant head. Yeah. It's just a cool idea. It just just gives me all the faith in the world that Star Wars 7 will work because it's being handled by that same company. That means that they're going to allow shit to happen, you know? Yeah, Absolutely. I mean, and, and it's one of those things. Like when you're talking about Disney, whether you're talking whether you're talking about the Marvel acquisition or Star Wars, I mean, I don't know about you, but I butt puckered a little bit <laughs> when I heard the news <laughs> that 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 was going down. But I've been really happy with the way that you know Disney's been handling that because mm-hmm. obviously, like comic books are a big deal to me. But I mean, Star Wars was my life growing up. I mean, yeah, that was right. like that was like my big thing. So when they announced that they were doing new movies and that Disney had acquired it, I was really excited because the best thing that I think you could do for the Star Wars franchise is to have George Lucas give it up. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Agreed. And to give it to somebody that, no matter how you feel about J.J. Abrams, like the fact that he is one of us and loves that series is and, and sort of gets it. Well, like, he I'd knows heard, how to tell a great story. I'd heard that he had turned it, he turned it down twice uh-huh. because he was so afraid of making a shitty Star Wars movie. Yeah. Which I'd feel the same way if I'm if I had been if I was given like directorial powers and I made a shitty Star Wars movie, I would probably take a long walk yeah. off a short pier with cement shoes. Right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, oh for sure. Um, you don't want to create the next Jar Jar out of, on accident. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's also really cool that like you know I'm. I'm sure his gut instinct would be to do his sort of mystery box like he's always done, where like he puts out a teaser and it's just like it's an S and a W, and you just know they're the Star Wars <laughs> S and W, but you don't ever see anything else. And then one day you show up at a movie, um, except for the, the one fact kid that he's like, "What's what?" <laughs> right. The fact that he's peeled that back, and and it's probably also a Disney commandment thing as well, where they're like, "No, no, you can't keep this a secret. Like, you've got to tell people what's going on." Um, I think is really cool because it means that we're starting to see little snippets and go like, "Oh." This is going to be good. Well, you know? I think yeah, I think a lot of that was that most of the like lack. I mean, there's still quite a bit of secrecy, but most of the lack yeah. of secrecy relative to what J.J. Abrams usually does is a result of people being just deathly afraid that we're going to right. end up with the prequel trilogy again. Yeah. yeah, and so that's why, like, when he did that UNICEF thing, you see this Muppet character walking behind yeah. him pulling this little cart just so that people know that those sorts of things are what's back in vogue with star wars they're, right. yeah, awesome. they're, they're keeping they're they're creating the world they're actually creating and it's not just on a digital uh plane or platform and i think and i think it not only creates the right feel that you want but i think also for your actors i think it i think it helps because i mean yeah the actors are trained and stuff but it's still a lot easier to act off of something that actually exists than you know just like a 
tennis ball on a stick in front yeah. of a, in front of a green screen in in the middle of a studio right. that you never leave. All of your sets are in the same place, and and there's no and there's a lot more magic to capturing parts of the actual world and making them seem Star Warsy like they had to do with the first trilogy. Absolutely, right. yeah. It's gonna be good. It's gonna be good. This weekend, though, in in film history, uh, is Jeepers Creepers weekend. Both both Jeepers Creepers came out on this weekend in the past, um, which I only bring up because they have Justin Long in that one, um, and, and Tusk is coming up. Oh my god! <laughs> oh, I'm, I, I'm just playing to your. I, th- I thought you guys were like baking a cake or something no, no. to <laughs> celebrate Jeepers <laughs> Creepers weekend. Nope. Yeah, that, no, that's, that's, that's what James and I do every year. Every, every <laughs> now Happy and Jeepers and Creepers weekend. <laughs> every now and then, when we uh, when we talk about what the big box office number was, we also take a look back and see like, well, what was big in the past? Yeah. Um, so and Justin yeah, Long being in Tusk is also Jesus... big news because Tusk is coming out. It, it's uh, almost here. <laughs> well, you know, it's weird. Um, hey, do you know what Tusk is, Sean? Yeah, I, I do. I do. Yeah, it's. Um, well, does you... anybody really know what Tusk is? Uh, well, I, I mean, I think that's some I, of it. I, I, I mean, like, it's. He's, I don't know he's if I'm explained ex- what it is. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if I'm excited or not because I mean, I, I love Kevin Smith and I, I love his early work because obviously, if you're a film buff and just a nerd in general. You know, but as he's strayed outside of that, especially when he tried making certain a uh, certain act when he wrote a certain actual comic book film. Mm-hmm. Actually, you can take your pick of whether you want it to be uh, the uh, Superman Superman Lives or um, the Green Hornet or or Green or he did uh, do Green Hornet? Well, Daredevil. 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 I was thinking oh. Daredevil. He was yeah. in Daredevil. Like he was in it. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he wrote the script for that. No, too. he didn't. Did he, uh, Mark Stephen Johnson wrote, is the director yeah. and the he writer. Wrote, he wrote Daredevil for Marvel Knights. Um, yeah, but Which, I don't think they. Yeah, but it, it, it's. Uh, but I mean, the you, things that are wrong with Daredevil are not. He wrote a Green Hornet screenplay that's really good, and they did it in a comic book form. Mm-hmm. Um, so like he he knows how to do it, but like I mean the idea of Tusk is just like it seems much more tangible and much more reachable than the human centipede was. So I'm just <laughs> excited to see where this goes. Yeah, uh, I mean those sorts of those sorts of like you know kind of like odd. Feels like an old monster movie. Like, yeah, from the back of the day. Yeah, I mean it'll be it'll be interesting. I would like human centipede was uh, definitely not my bag. <laughs> But oh, um, it just looks it, like it, it, it. The trailer makes it seem like this old laboratory monster movie. Like it just, mm-hmm. I, I, I'm, ex- I'm just excited for it. It looks fantastic. As a as a huge Red State fan, I like it when Kevin Smith does things that aren't comedies. Yeah, I don't, that's not that I don't like, like his comedies. It's that you I think like Jane Silent Bob. <laughs> Mo- <laughs> mostly, I sat through Jersey Girl, and I haven't been the same since. Oh, that's a sweet film. <laughs> um, very sweethearted. <laughs> Ben Affleck knows how to cry. <laughs> What's um, coming out on Blu-rays this week? I don't know, but I think we'll find out. DVD releases and Blu-rays. Oh, I know one that I'm really excited about. Yep. Cap 2. This is a huge week for Blu-rays. Yes! <laughs> Captain America 2 comes out this week. Winter Soldier. Winter so, Soldier. Yeah, like, just go fucking pick that up. And while you're there, I, I'll... I'll say it. You ought to probably pick up that first season of uh, Agents of Shield as well. Like I, it, it won me over by the end. It, I, it, I was the same. I was the same way. Did you kind of have that lull after after like two or three episodes in where you're like, then it kind yes. of like towards the mid season finale, you were kind of like, yep. yeah, we're getting there, getting yeah. there. And suddenly, then you watch Cap Two, and then it all suddenly makes. Uh, sense. Then, oh yeah, yeah. It's oh. as soon as they started tying it into Cap Two, that's when it was like, this is fucking Beautiful. brilliant. I want every Marvel TV show. It's. Yeah. It's not the budget it needs. It's written a little bit like a '90s show, but you and know that, that was the problem. That's that not, I, it, it was 
I think what happened is they started off trying to make it really like a procedural. Mm-hmm. And then right. I think what they realized is that nobody gives a shit about those kind of shows anymore. Yeah. And especially not in the way that you need fans to care about Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Yeah. You can make you can make Law and Order like that because Law and Order has a much smaller budget yeah. to right. get a, you know to create the world that you need to do for Law and Order. You don't have to have nearly the audience right. that you have to have to do Agents of Shield. Well, and they, and I don't disagree with the with this mentality, but there are some problems with it. I think that they approached the show saying, "Look, we don't want to tie it too much into actual Marvel lore at first because we want to give these new characters time to breathe and grow and get introduced." So, there were all these episodes the the moment I realized it was I think like episode 4 or something like that is when uh the one girl gets like injected with some shit and like a brain's going to pop or something like that and like they got to save her or some shit. I don't remember. Um, I love that I love that summary. <laughs> anyway, like some crazy shit's going on remember and that like one time when they did yeah, all those things. Like they have to and like the stuff. They did the stuff too stuff, with the stuff things. Stuff was awesome. They got to like learn to be friends and crap. <laughs> like whatever. Um and that was when I realized like, "Oh, you're focusing on this rather than focusing on like building a huge villain or tying this into the Marvel Universe somehow, which made a lot of sense, but it's not why people came to the show. Like, people came to the show because they were like, oh, I love Marvel stuff. And so they really needed a little bit more of that early on. Like, they needed a Thanos. They needed, you know, some kind of a big thing in the future that's like... Like, like they were going to reveal Thanos in a TV show. No, 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 but but I mean, like, they needed to pick a villain like that that was going to be a Hail Mary pass that was like, look... This series is about X, and you are eventually going to see us fight this person, or like this is, you know. Um, you know and they've avoided that. Like, they haven't even had, like, uh, Hydra Bar- show up or anything like that. They should have put Baron von Strucker in there. Until n- near the end, Hydra shows up, and well, that's when the show I, started getting yeah, interesting. I, mean, I, I like, 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 ah, I like how it built around that mysterious MacGuffin. Right. And it was, but it w- was really not revealed until Winter Soldier. Right. And then with that, then Winter Soldier. Fed in just awesomely into yes. this into the season finale, and it was just yeah. uh, it was really interesting. It was really interesting television, really like really interesting cross media synergy. Oh, totally. They they should, but I'm still saying they should have put Baron von Strucker in there. They put him at the end of Cap. You're right. They should have like led him in as like the big the big reveals, the big or just have him revealed. involved. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I know. I agree. Been, Something like that exactly would have been good. It would have just been fun to watch that connection go even further because. Baron von Strucker is going to be a big part of Avengers too, or at least, or at least put something in earlier. Because the the problem is that it is really cool to be able to say that they made an Agents of Shield show while at the same time they knew they were making a movie that was going to destroy Shield. Right, like that's a cool idea. That you're like, what the fuck are you doing? Right. So the fact that that was all going to tie together is awesome. But it means that for the first two thirds of that season, you were like, where the fuck are we going? Well, and that was the kind of thing that. The sort of thing they did with Cap, I mean, maybe not, I wasn't expecting on the same level, was what I was expecting when they were like, they were like, next week's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. ties in with Thor, the Dark World. And I was like, right. all right, fucking sweet. Yeah, and, and then it was like, delivery, we're sweeping up after Thor, the yeah, Dark World. The yeah, delivery that, on that, I was like, I was like, oh, what a, what a television cock block. Do you remember that <laughs> set piece? We're at that set piece. Yeah. yeah. This is how it exactly. with the Dark World. And that's but, what I was... But when they started bringing, when they brought in Enchantress, it was... It yeah. was a little underwhelmed. I liked Lady Sif. Enchantress was kind of like meh, but, but it was at least it in. was mo- it was. That's when I knew though that the show was moving in the direction that it was promising on and was starting to deliver. Right, right. And then by the end of the first season, man, you get that you get that delivery and you get. Uh, I won't give the spoiler away, but you get a great, very Joss Whedon ending <laughs> vis-a-vis yep. what happens to the main villain of the season. Yeah. Yep. 
Yeah, no, it's pretty cool. Pretty cool. Um, But, I mean, still not as good of a season as season two of of Hannibal, which you can also pick up this week, and I highly recommend it. It was the best season of television I watched all last year. One of the most most disturbing shows on television. Fucking good. That and Bates Motel are two of the most, like, on-the-edge shows. Yeah. Um, I thought this had already come out, but Nebraska's on here for some reason. I thought you could already get it. Blu-ray. If... I have not gotten a chance to see Nebraska, so I will probably check it's it out. It's really good. If you have a chance to watch, if you have, a, if you're in the mood for a good black and white movie, that is your movie. <laughs> cool. <laughs> um, um, no, it's really, it's really smart. Bruce Dern's amazing in it. Yeah, it's just a very simple story. Um, it, it's just about this man going to try to pick up his lottery winnings when it's all a scam, and yeah. just watching the development and just watching this man's journey is, it's incredible. I'm gonna check it out. Yeah. Um, Homeland season three comes out this week, which I totally missed. Homeland, um, great show. I, yeah, um, uh, there is a Blu-ray release of The Great Race. So if you've ever seen Jack Lemmon in The Great Race, that's a pretty great movie. Great, great um, fun little film to check out. Season nine of Supernatural, which is uh, again that show that like everybody tells me I should see. Have you ever watched Supernatural? I did. My my dad watches it and he loves it. But like, <laughs> you don't get it. I did. It wasn't that I didn't get it. It was that like. Sometimes shows come come out at a time when I'm very busy, and if I don't get into it and I missed like two seasons, yeah, like starting on season three sounds tedious. Yeah, I either have to watch the complete two other seasons. Now, I mean, if something just blows me the fuck away, yeah, I can do that. But you know, and and that one, it didn't in terms of like the way that it dealt with like supernatural things. It didn't really catch my interest in the way that in the way that I like, yeah. which I guess is you know just kind of a personal preference. It's 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 a good show. Right. The episodes I've seen have been good. I wish I understood more, but I wish I understood more without having to watch every other fucking episode that was right. out there. It's just it's one of those shows that people keep coming to me and being like, "You need to watch Supernatural," and I'm like, "I do." It seems like to and be then a, I don't. It seems to be a question we've asked on the podcast a couple times. I remember yeah. earlier this year we were like, "Have you watched Supernatural?" <laughs> then another episode we were talking about. Supernatural. It keeps coming up. Like one of these days I'm gonna fucking watch we it. We need to have but... a segment on the show called <laughs> "Have You Seen Supernatural?" <laughs> <laughs> Everybody going, "No, no." Yeah, we'll no. start the interviews but that most way. Most people I know that watch it are like <laughs> are like you know. Women, my you know, women my age, or things like that. Yeah, I haven't I haven't noticed that it's extremely popular with the well, ma- well, with the male segment that I know. True. There's a lot of shirtless dudes in it, but that's okay. I'll watch a show with shirtless dudes well, if the story's cool. We'll just like we'll just ask Cora next week. Have you seen yeah. Supernatural? Oh no! So Cora's one of the people who comes to me and is like, "You need to see Supernatural." <laughs> um, so. Uh, Another show I haven't seen is The Vampire Diaries has season five coming out this week, so right good for them. Uh, there's a Blu-ray release of the original Prom Night. Uh, with nice, Jamie Lee Curtis. Jamie Lee Curtis? Mm-hmm. Nice. Uh, there is a Scream Factory release of Pumpkinhead. <laughs> so I'm sure that Ryan is sitting at home with his infant watching Pumpkinhead. Uh, as he buys... Kevin, this is a horror movie. This is real. This is Shout Factory. <laughs> yeah. Um... Then we have, oh, sorry, uh, Brick Mansions, which is one of the last Paul uh, uh, Paul Walker movies, is coming out. Paul Walker and the RZA. Actually, here he's just credited as RZA. Does he is he not the anymore? He he he's can be the RZA. He can be RZA. He can be whatever you want. The whole okay, damn RZA. All right, fine. <laughs> Wu Tang Clan um, ain't nothing to fuck with. <laughs> I'm glad you gave me context there because I was totally missing. I was like, I know the name, but I the, can't say that. Uh, well, I thought RZA, the RZA, Inspector Deck, Dirty Logan, Roll with the Skull. Holy shit! The Ghost Face Killer. Why did why didn't what why didn't fuck? you rap battle me then when I started doing Rorschach? Because I'm not clever enough to come up with a rap on my own. <laughs> Because, because Wu Tang. What I sang was an actual rap. 
<laughs> I saw this thing. I don't know if you guys have seen it. It's this video while we're talking about Wu-Tang Clan. It's that song, but somebody had cut together pieces from just a whole shitload of different movies. That's just the entire song of Wu-Tang Clan Ain't Nothing to Fuck With. That's awesome. <laughs> so it's definitely, it's definitely one you check out on, on YouTube, one of those uh, fun little pieces. Three and a half years, nobody has ever before said, well, we're talking about Wu-Tang Clan. <laughs> um, and then the big, the, the really, for me, big release this week is the Star Trek, the compendium comes out, which means that I finally get to own Star Trek Into Darkness. Nice. Uh, so if you don't know... This is the collection of Star Trek and Star Trek Into Darkness together, and this version of Star Trek Into Darkness includes all of the special features I would like to spend my money on, which means that, yes, I will gladly spend money on Star Trek, which I already own on Blu-ray, again, so that I can actually spend money to buy the version of Star Trek Into Darkness I want to I own. just hope going this doesn't into, mean we're going not into gonna... the double dippers. Uh, yeah, I just... but no, for, I, I protested this for years. I said I wasn't going to spy Star Trek Into Darkness because they tried to fuck me and make me double dip at the time, yeah, not, and not I didn't do it. It's not years. It's only been a year. Whatever. <laughs> it is a fucking force of will, Zach. God damn it. Do you know how many times I was at a trademark and I was like, I could get Star Trek Into Darkness for a dollar, and I didn't. <laughs> because I knew that eventually... So if you don't know the story, the way he they said released it so that hilarious. they released it so that if you bought Star Trek Into Darkness like a, at at Target, you got the commentary with J.J. Abrams. But if you wanted the special featurettes, you had to go to Best Buy and buy it. But that wouldn't have the commentary from J.J. Abrams. But if you went to Walmart, you could get a different special feature. So you would have to, in order to get all of the special features, go to like three or four different places to buy it. Hey, he's, and trying, I said, to, Fuck he's that. trying to cater to the fact that we like to collect. Ugh. <laughs> I hate that. At least like they used to do. You know, the, it used like to be the, bullshit. Like yeah. It was. It was. Like, I remember, like, I went to go get episode three on DVD back at Target, and it just came with this coin. It was fucking cool as shit, <laughs> but I could have lived without the fucking little coin right. of but Obi-Wan I, and Anakin fighting in, on Mustafar. But I can't live without my commentary. No, you got to have the commentary Abrams. tracks. <laughs> yeah. Um, so well, that's pretty cool. That's good. I hope this I'm, means we still do get a Star Trek three with a Klingon war. Oh, yeah. Oh, no, no. no. Star Trek three is still coming. Yeah. So, Not from J.J. Abrams. But, I know it is, but I'm yeah. just like... Like, you know, when I hear that, like, they collected it together, I'm like, oh, that means they're going to reboot it again. No, 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 no. No, they did it for this reason. Star were, Trek, the reboot, the next generation. I am not the only person on the internet who is livid about this. So. Right on. So I don't want to hijack your show, but there not was one piece of news that I didn't know if you guys had seen. We haven't gotten the news yet. Oh, okay. Okay. Give me one more second, and we'll do news. Yeah. Good. Okay. It was a Blu-ray thing, but it was also, like, a news thing. That's okay. Well, we'll do it in news. Um, <laughs> Cotton comes to Harlem. The last movie we're going to talk about is Cotton Comes to Harlem. Uh, I have no idea what the fuck this is, but it looks dope as shit. Look at this cover. It's a black PlayStation oh movie from back this in the day. This is pretty cool. <laughs> Holy shit. Yes. All right. Anyway, also, I think the, the title Cotton Comes to Harlem is pretty ridiculous. That's pretty um, awesome is what it is. Yeah. Uh, are we doing news? Let's yeah. do news. It's real news. Shaughnessy, do you have any news for us? I do. I have a delightful piece of news. Oh, good. Um, I don't know if you guys had seen it, but I saw it when I was looking through the Blu-ray website today, which was quite fortuitous because I hadn't done it in a very long time. But they announced 4K Blu-ray Christmas 2015. Wow. Nice. Okay. So that's, that's, it's happening. Yeah. Um, I mean, I don't know. I, 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 it's mean, I don't know how you guys feel about 4K. It's important because it's the new, it's the, it's the new wave. And it's the new wave of home media. Do I need a different player? I think you are going to need a new player. Okay. 
But as long as the old player will play my current Blu-rays, then I'm not. Too it sh- it should. My, my guess is that my guess is that it'll it'll upscale them to 4K. Yeah, just like, like the your did. current Blu-ray player does with your standard definition yeah. DVDs. Uh, so. No, it's cool, dude. I I went to a, a Paul's TV not too long ago, and I stood there for probably like five or ten minutes, just staring at a 4K TV, because it is gorgeous. Yep, the, the it image is really, is really amazing. pretty. How, how I don't know how if there's big gonna be was, content how, how for it. How big was the TV? It was like sixty or seven, sixty or seventy. But I was real close too. Yeah, that was I was like that, right up there, and I was like, this looks real. About. Because I mean, obviously, like you know, as a as a filmmaker, you know, 4K has been something that a medium that okay, I haven't worked with it a lot because I I do t I do TV for the most part and then I do little film projects on the side. Yeah, right. but um, but that was the thing I was curious about because I mean most of the people I know, if you have a forty inch TV, they can't even really tell the difference between seven twenty p and ten eighty p. Yeah. Now if you tell them that, right, it kind of becomes Emperor's New Clothes, except that not really there is an actual difference. Right. But. They perceive a difference that they can't actually see, so that they don't seem dumb. Yeah, yeah some people have a sharp eye. Right. Like, I mean, you know, I as a filmmaker, I've had to train my eye to be able to to analyze color and analyze definition and things like that. Yeah. And we've but, had years of different formats to look through, so the look yeah. in the eye changes. And, yeah. like and people... I've seen I've seen Jaws enough times in my life. I watched it enough times on DVD that when I got a Blu-ray. And this is an unfair comparison because that Blu-ray was remastered to death and was amazing. Um, but you you watch them, I can tell the difference because I remember what it used to look like. Right. Yeah. I remember what things I didn't used to be able to see. I remember what the, when the coloring used to be off because I knew that movie to death. Um, it's like certain aspects right. of the changes they made to Star Wars. Now there are some that are fucking glaringly obvious. Yeah. But you're right. Like shot if you, first. But if you <laughs> but if you're sitting across the room from a 40 inch TV, can you tell the difference? Probably not. A 40 inch 4K TV compared to a Blu-ray. And, then, and that's always huge, been my thought: is that like, right. at what size would you have to have a 4K TV right. for that to make sense? Now on a projector, and, on a projector on a regular size movie screen, yes, I'll be able to tell the difference between 1080. And 4K, but 1080 still doesn't look bad yeah. when you blow it up and project it on when you project it on a full size movie screen. It's not. Yeah, yeah, it's it not looks, bad. It looks fine. Yeah. And so that's why, like, I think people are going to be very slow to upgrade to 4K. Well, right now we it's finally just, just got people. We finally just got everybody on the HD train. Right. Yeah. And of course, you know, it's kind of that. It's that media technology thing of just constantly offering upgrade things so that people will constantly want. Well, nobody TV. got into Blu-ray right away. Right away, because we had a format. And war, nobody so. did 3D. Yeah. Nobody did. Nobody did. Nobody was, did. That I don't. I don't think anybody does 3D. I, I have a 3D TV and I have 3D Blu-rays, but I'm the only person I know that does. Or yeah, even what's wrong with you? Do you, no, go to three, do you go to 3D movies anymore? Actually, not that often. I went to Guardians in um, 3D, but I'll only do it in a theater because I feel I. I've never had an at-home experience. I just don't know if it would necessarily be worth Mostly it. it's to impress the ladies. It's mm. <laughs> a lie. The Celtic ones. Yes. Yeah. The, Kel- the Celtic ladies love their 3D. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> mostly it was that when I was going to buy it, it was like $50 more than the comparable non-3D totally. yeah. TV. They, they've so made right. it such a low barrier. And, and I was very curious about what video games were like in 3D. Yeah. That they hurt your brain. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> they're they're ki- they're really fun, but I I can only but only do them in twenty minute segments. Only in twenty minute segments. So yeah. like us and and most of them have stopped doing it now. So like the Arkham the Arkham City game. Mm-hmm. So the second one uh, came out in three D, and that one was really fun. But I could only play for fifteen twenty minutes, and then one of the Assassin's Creed also did that. But yeah. they, both of those series have stopped doing that because nobody gave a shit. Right? Yeah, yeah. That's too bad because that's where I thought it would be the most interesting. Because um, for me, I don't know that it's worth the difference in price. 
like for for a Blu-ray, right? If I'm gonna go buy, let's say, the Star Trek compendium, um, I don't know that it's worth it for me to pay the extra like ten bucks to get it. In, in That's why for me, it's it's very selective. I only have yeah. a few, and most of it's the Marvel movies. Yeah. So like, I'm <laughs> gonna go get Cap two on Tuesday, and I'm gonna get the 3D one because fuck it, it's Cap. It's my favorite. Yeah. That 3D and the Cap my, two is incredible. <laughs> my uh, my brother is interesting. He buys all the 3D Blu-rays. Does not own a 3D TV. He just doesn't want to have to buy them again. So he's just like looking ahead, and he's like, well, eventually I'm going to own a 3D TV, and I don't want to have to replace all of these, so I'll just go ahead and get them now. They and I, can't, I don't have the heart Blu-ray to tell him, anyway. like, they're going to come out with a 4K, and you're going to have to buy them all again. Like, I, I remember there was a... You're going to buy the White Album 16 times in your life, Jake. Sorry, there's nothing you can do <laughs> yeah. about it. There was this guy on, there was this guy on, on some Blu-ray forum, um, you know, it was like four or five years ago, um, just kind of as the as the format was really starting to take off. And he was like, he was like, well, will the picture quality be any better if I buy a Blu-ray player and plug it into my standard definition TV? And they were like, maybe a little bit, but why the fuck would you do that? <laughs> and he's like, well, I'm going to get an HD TV at some point. And they're like, well, why don't you just put that money that you're going to spend on the Blu-ray player towards an HD TV instead of having your priorities all bass And then get a PS3 yeah. and just combine it all into one Well, exactly, system. exactly, yeah. yeah. Or, or PS4 just go- now, I guess. Yeah. Well, but the, the, the rationale there is that that way he can be buying Blu-rays and watching Blu-rays now, even though he doesn't have the money for the TV, right? So that yeah. way his collection yeah, but at the time, is ahead of the time. At the time, though... Blu-ray players were like three or four, like the cheapest ones were still like two or three hundred dollars. Right, you would be well on your way to an HD TV, oh. and if you had bought any of the Blu-rays, which at the time were really fucking expensive. Right, yeah. Or if the ones that weren't expensive because they came in like a pack of four were like, you know, Too Fast, Too Furious, and Blade you know, Trinity. Right. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> Star exactly. Trek Nemesis. Oh, you also <laughs> own that Blu-ray collection. Um, no, but my dad does. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah. Um, cool. Cool. What cool. else is in real news? Uh, Joan Rivers died. Joan Rivers passed. Eighty-one away. years old. It was. Uh, uh, it was unexpected. It was unexpected. Yeah. She, she, she was like getting her neck pinched or something. Something like right? that. I don't, some I'm, sort of throat surgery. I don't know if it was plastic surgery or if it was actual like. Medical surgery. I mean, yeah. not to speak ill of the death. I don't know what which one it was, but regardless, she had to be put on a med- she had to be put into a medically induced coma as a result of whatever happened. Yeah, and um, so she, I guess she stopped breathing or something. I don't know the exact full details. Like this just happened. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but um, terrible shame. She was a very talented comedian. Um, there's obviously some uh things that in her career that are uh that are eyebrow raisers like her interaction with Johnny Carson and her career on E I think yeah. sometimes but um she was a very funny comedian and if you watch she there's a Joan Rivers documentary out there and I cannot remember the name oh, of it for right. the life of me but um oh, I I'll, if when I find it out I'll get it I'll get it to you guys next week um I'll make that what I watch but uh she's really funny and you know she's a really talented person like I think she's gotten the reason she gets bashed a lot is because she's earned a place of respect in people's hearts. So uh, a piece of be, work. A piece of work. That's mm-hmm. it. So yeah, yeah, she will be missed. Yeah, for sure. Um, all right. Uh, so somebody fucking woke up in uh, premium cables this week. Uh, Showtime's, I believe it was his. Uh, it's the COO of Showtime uh, at like a conference or whatever was talking, and he basically said that if. They're, they're looking at the fact that there are a lot of people, like my parents, 
who own cable, but they don't subscribe to premium cable channels. And they were like, you know what? We as a company need to be smart and forward thinking and evolve to be where our customers need to be. Um, which that kind of thinking is not what a lot of Hollywood and especially like TV um, producers think with. Uh, so it's really cool. The, the idea here is that it's, it's possible that in the next year or two, um, we might see Showtime move in a direction where you could subscribe to Showtime online without having even a cable subscription. So that if you wanted to have Showtime shows or if you wanted to get Showtime shows somehow, you could just do that without like having to jump all these through all these fucking hoops or even be tied in any way to Comcast. That would be um, preferable for HBO too. If, yeah, if HBO, yeah. HBO needs to wake that. up and do this too. Yeah. Uh, and they've been, they've been like without saying it, playing with the idea because like HBO go is huge, but you have to have HBO to do it. All they have to do is have you not have like the the service is there in a very Hulu style. All they have to do is start saying, "Hey, twenty bucks a month, you get HBO Go. Doesn't matter what you do, like right. you just start paying us." Like they can, they are so close to being direct with the customer, uh, and this will be probably a huge hit for Comcast if they can do that, which I think is a great idea. Um, those companies are getting a little bit too big. Um, As a guy who works for Comcast, <laughs> hey, how you doing? <laughs> no, I mean. Um... You know, it, it definitely is one of those things that sometimes keeps me up at night because as people flee Comcast, my job gets less and less secure. Right. But um, you know, in terms of in terms of the way that I think really, you know, um, I think in terms of the way that that consumption of of media is evolving, mm -hmm. that definitely these new systems, you know, these new systems getting in place is is good for the consumer, and yeah. I think that I think that. Uh, Mostly because I don't want uh, like my boss to hear this and fire my ass. <laughs> Probably won't. But um, I think, and I, I think that the cable, the cable providers and things will will also try to evolve because the cord cutting is a the cord cutting is a huge problem. And I think yeah. I think they'll find interesting. I think ev I think everybody involved with production and distribution of broadcast content is going to find interesting new ways to stay yeah. to stay relevant in the new media atmosphere. So I think it's I think it's good to think forward and to try to make, you know, media consumption as as simple and streamlined as possible. And I, I think that I think that eventually everybody's going to get on board with with yeah. n with new ways of doing it, I still like linear TV though. I I don't know I, how. I mean, now I have a I have a DVR, right? But I still really like I like just flipping on the TV and then like just being able to go to a random random channel or things like yeah. that. I I I like that type of media consumption myself, and I'm glad that there's still enough people out there. So that not, I have a job. Oh, and there's there's plenty of them, and and oh, the truth is, I would like to be that person too. I just don't have the time anymore. Uh, between work and the things I watch for this, like I'm very particular about what I watch and how I spend my entertainment time. Make time. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, so there, there's not a lot of opportunity where I like sit. I have cable, and uh, it's not. It's barely hooked up. Uh, last <laughs> week we we moved in in, in May. Uh, Dan has cable because uh, like if you bundle it all together, you can get it cheaper. Like you, we get internet and and phone cheaper. By bundling it together, than if he didn't have the cable, and so yeah. like they just made that deal for well, him. Why, so yeah, that's have why it? I have a I have a landline that right. I don't yeah, use. Yeah, like very we do often. too, and we don't use it. Um, and we just hooked it up last week. I don't even know that it's hooked up right because we don't turn it on. Um, which I know that's that's horrible, but the truth is like the the. 
the sort of distance between the customers and traditional cable is just getting a little bit larger. And it's interesting because I've been griping for, you know, weeks, more more mourning than anything else about the fact that they took The Legend of Korra off of, of Nickelodeon and put it so it's only yeah, that was such a distributing weird, online. That was such a weird yeah. move. Yeah, but, some of it is but that... it's, it's actually kind of brilliant because, like, the truth is what it's doing is it's saying, like, okay, this weird show that actually doesn't fit on, on, on Nickelodeon, right? Like, they beheaded someone in the finale of this season. Spoilers, sorry. But, like, there's some gruesome shit in the finale of this most recent season. It's not really a kid show anymore. Um, and the, the audience for it is not an audience that's flipping around and, and channel surfing Nickelodeon. Um, so the truth is that they just sort of decided to go direct to that to that consumer right. and say, like, look, yeah. if we put this online, we can get it to them, and let's see if it makes money that way. Um, if the, the truth is Comcast, whether they're at this table or not, Comcast kind of needs to take a, a lesson from that and go, how do, we, how do we learn to be a little bit more consumer-friendly and say, like, how about we let people choose what channels they want? Or how about we give people an option where they can watch all of their Comcast stuff without necessarily being on their like sitting on their couch and watching their TV? And they're doing some of that. Yeah, and um, one of the, one of the things that they have now, I f- now I feel like I'm doing promotion for Comcast. <laughs> <laughs> well, with the X One Television platform, no, but uh, but with the X One Television platform that they have. <laughs> But it is, it's actually something that, like, and, and it is, it's, it's also them moving in that right direction as well, yeah. which makes me happy because then I won't get fired. <laughs> <laughs> I like my job. It's, yeah. uh, um, it, and that also works for, like, films like the one we saw tonight, like yeah. Life of oh, Crime, absolutely. like that VOD. It's the same it's, idea. It's the direct to the consumer, like, to the people who want to see that niche film or yeah. that film with this particular actor that they like because. It does. It, a, a, a star doesn't sell a movie anymore, really. Yeah. I, I don't feel like Angelina Jolie may be one of the few people who could still sell a movie, or Brad Pitt, or something like that. But, but like, they, I don't know. But and I don't know what I don't know what the like Directv and Dish things look like, or obviously any of the other cable providers like Time Warner. Or, mm, yeah. But like, but yeah, it's that uh, that on the the on demand idea and the on demand idea with that also with the new stuff that Comcast doing is also going over to um, over to mobile platforms. So ta- yeah. so tablets and phones and stuff can also access that stuff, which I, I think is I mean I think is great. Yeah. It's not how I get my content. But I've also I also know people my age and I definitely you know, I know some people that are like, you know, eighteen or so. And man, the way they get their content is so different and weird. Like yeah. they'll I mean they'll basically just instead of like listening to music, they'll just load the YouTube video and then just right. like plug it in. And that's like but they'll do that for like an entire like hour of listening to music. Whereas I would be like, well fuck that. I'm just gonna get on iTunes and right. download it or it, or have the C D They just want instant access though. They want instant yeah. access right away. Well, like I do that too. I, I'll just go onto YouTube and just get the song sometimes directly. Right. If I'm really wanting to listen to that song right away. The thing that's gonna be interesting is and and this thing with Showtime is hopefully a sign of them at least testing it is they've whoever does it first has got to be um, curious enough and brave enough to test the waters and see what people will pay for. Because I'll tell you right now, I will absolutely pay for the content, and I will probably pay for it enough that if everybody paid like I pay, you wouldn't need commercials. Because the problem is that what they're doing doesn't actually make money. So, like, if you put it on the Internet, and you put it on the Internet for free to some degree, but you put ads around it, 
you're really probably not going to make much money on that. No, that defeats the purpose nobody... of premium channel. Well, well, for yeah, for Showtime, that for one, absolutely. Um, but also, like you know, Hulu died when they went to Hulu Plus. Well, at least for me, when they went to Hulu Plus, and I was suddenly going to be paying for also having commercials, um, and also the 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 my generation and the generation after me doesn't understand commercials. I don't think, at least for me and my friends, like. I don't watch commercials. Ads on the internet don't in, don't inspire me to buy things. Like I understand them and I see them from afar, and I go, "Well, that's nice," but you're not making any money on me. You know, was, so you might as well just take my money and let me buy the content yeah. I want. I was thinking, of, I was talking to somebody about this the other day, and I think we're kind of actually on the verge a little bit of a media bubble. There's right now. There's enough people consuming media in the old fashion, and there's enough of a back catalog. That the new media, things like Netflix, Hulu, things like that, that have older TV shows, older movies, things like that, are able to, you can make the business model work. Mm -hmm. But eventually, people are going to get sick of watching Cheers for the thousandth time. I mean, I probably won't because I fucking love Cheers. Hell yeah. um, How dare you even make that a possibility? Everybody loves the fuck out of Cheers. What if, like, Cheers is the only thing that you can watch? What if Cheers is the only show ever? But now eventually, it's like, eventually, wonderful <laughs> world. <laughs> but eventually, there's going to be a bubble where there's not enough. There's not enough people consuming. There's not enough people feeding into the traditional revenue streams of media, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and that goes for music, TV, and movies. Mm-hmm. And then once you get to that point, there's going to be a giant bubble where everybody's like, "Well, you know, where everybody's demanding new content, but nobody's paying enough for it. There's not enough. There's not enough money." For new content now, like Netflix is making new TV series, but it's such a small part of what they do. Right, it's not most of their revenue streams comes from, you know, it's like oh look at all of these movies that that we have, but if you know if if box office numbers continue to dwindle, if record sales continue to dwindle, and believe me, that is a tough that can be a tough thing to try mm-hmm. to get people to actually buy your CD. Yeah. Um, if that keeps happening, we're going to be on on the verge of this point where like, peop- the producers, the people that are making the content, are not going to be making enough money to be able to produce at least the level of content that we want, the level right. of content that we are used to and expect. So. Uh, I I would just offer that I, I I you're right. It's the scariest thing happening in Hollywood um, that no one wants to talk about. Um, but I think that I honestly think that the solution is because. People used to talk about this back, like when I was a you know poor student and would torrent things because I didn't have any money. And I was like, well, if I want to watch this show, I don't, I can't own HBO, but I want to watch fucking whatever was on HBO at the time. True, True Blood for whatever season one was good, okay. Um, so I want to watch True Blood, so I was torrenting it because I was like, well, I don't have the money to do it, and they're not making money on me anyway. Um, so. Uh, but there were people who, once they get to that point where they have like a career and a job, and then it's like, okay, my time and the effort it takes for me to go find this stuff illegally on the internet, I could just easily spend the money and buy the stuff because I have money now. Those people will pay for the content if you just give it to them. Uh, the problem is all of the the hoops that people have to ju- jump through. You know, we this week we we. Um, we haven't talked about it yet, but this week we we watched Life of Crime, which is this little indie movie that um, you it, it's you know in sort of the indie circle right now. So it's in L.A. and it's in New York, but it's not everywhere yet. You can try to get it to come to your town, but the easiest thing you can do right now is it's on demand. So you can go on Amazon or wherever and and rent it. 
Um, but I had the I, I ended up renting it twice because I had a hell of a time like renting it and also getting it on the TV that I wanted to watch it on with the device I wanted to watch it on. Um, and stay tuned for just, that little story when we yeah. get a review, Life of Crime. <laughs> yeah, um, there's just there's too many hoops to jump through. Um, whereas if if you just gave me a thing where it was like, hey, you want to own, you want to have all of this content from AMC, give us five bucks a month and you get AMC. I'd probably do that, and I'd probably end up paying more well, for cable and, and than the, I do now. And that's why, but I, I'd get what I want. Yeah, I like I like the I like the idea of I like the idea of the a la carte cable package. I mm. think that would be good. I mean, basically, if a t- if a TV channel is ninety five percent reality TV, I don't I don't want it. Right. And so and if, I don't really need to I don't really need to pay for it. There are a lot of channels that I but I mean I don't know if there's I don't know how easy it would be to create an a la carte system where by taking out the channels I don't want I would effectively be paying less. Right. right. So I mean I don't know if that's you know that's for you know that's something that all of the all of the big shots um, at, at the cable and satellite companies have to kind of have to kind of figure out. Yeah. And so I mean I think it's a good idea and I think it could be a good way to implement it. I mean that's why I like I like I mean I, once again I don't want to sound like I'm just you know some Comcast whore but I like my X1 box because I can because I can do that. I mean you know things like Snowpiercer for example was available on demand yeah. while it was running in theaters and and also the X1 box can run it can run Netflix and a lot of other stuff. Usually I run that through my PlayStation just cuz I already have my yeah. account info saved. Right, yeah. Right. <laughs> but so I think that they're making some moves. You just there's going to be a lot of work to do before that. Before it's that gonna gets be, finished. it's gonna be really interesting. And this is just you know one more little step in the road. Uh, another step in the road for some other completely different thing uh, is that they AMC has ordered a pilot for a second Walking Dead series. Um, so it's sort of like a spin-off Walking series. Deadier, or? yeah, yeah. <laughs> Walking Dead in the South. Or, oh, well, no, this one's that one's already in the South. So it's in like the North. Walking Dead Canada. Well, um, it's Walking Year than before. Yeah, Walking uh, Dead the Union Edition. <laughs> uh, David Erickson is the showrunner. Uh, he and Robert Kirkman wrote the first uh, episode, and then they, you know, the regular producers are producing it as well. Uh, no real idea of what the show is it's just like well it's in the larger epic walking dead narrative it's going to make a lot of money is what it is um it's just like better call saul yeah yeah yeah, yeah. uh hopefully which, they which aren't those in the same universe I- i'd heard this giant yes. fan theory that oh yeah breaking wa- bad and walking dead were all in the same universe because <laughs> there was i get like i don't know i, I kind of checked out of walking dead like a season ago not gonna lie i kind of did too but <laughs> But I heard that there was a Don't thing where, like, they found the blue meth. Mm-hmm. That, that, and I also heard that in the finale of Breaking Bad, in the final scene, and I won't tell you what happens, because I guess we're still in the spoiler window for that one. So, <laughs> But um, uh, supposedly there's some sort of, like, news headline. that Yeah, I mean, you have to, like, be watching the HD version very closely and maybe even, like, digitally zoom it in. But hey, some of us nerds have the time to do that and whatever. <laughs> but then it says something about like there says, being zombies. It in said something Atlanta. about that, like something about something that was related to I'm, the walking. I'm cool with that. I'm totally cool with that. Yeah. Um, there was a study this week that said that if you watch Michael Bay movies, you are fat. 
This was this? only for the island, though. I know. As opposed to it's a watching really Charlie dumb. Rose. I didn't understand it's the a, point of this study. It's a fucking college <laughs> psych study. It's really dumb. And um, Slash Film picked it up. I should never like, have watched a... the first two Transformers movies. I'm never going to get that weight. weight <laughs> I know. <laughs> uh, basically, the test they did was they, they had three different rooms and different people in each room. And the people in a room where they were watching... The island with the sound on ate more of the snacks in that room than the people in the room with the, with the island with the sound off, and the people in the room watching Charlie Rose with the um, sound on. With the sound on. So the idea there is that in this weird universe where your only three options are Charlie Rose, no sound, and the island. I choose if you, death. If you sit down and watch the island, you're probably going to want a snack while you watch it. I don't know that that says something about all Michael Bay films, or even that it says something about like big blockbusters as a whole. It might say something about the fact that we have been bred as filmgoers to feel like if we go to a movie or we're watching a movie, we should be eating something at the same time, whereas Charlie Rose, we probably don't. Yeah, I think it's probably yeah, something a little bit more like that. I mean, yeah, it's you also think I've been in a college course about psych. It's also one of those things. It's just, I don't know. I see all these weird studies that are just kind of like pseudoscientific crap. And just like, why are we doing? I mean, yeah. you know, yeah, it's it stupid is, as shit. It's what it is. Now, here's the big news of the week. The big news of the week is you seem really excited. I yes, didn't expect you to be I so am. excited yes, about the I fact am. that they are going to make a Boondock Saints three. No, that's no. not. Oh, that's not that what you were not excited the about. News. No, but, um, but I guess why could they have just left it at the one really good movie? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm yeah I, I agree. Um, oh, I, mean, oh, I, I know why. I because Troy Duffy is a hack and an asshole. Yeah, I, I love one scene of the sequel where Willem Dafoe's character finally appears and he goes, "You'll scan away the fish." <laughs> yeah, um, um, but no, the big news. No, no, the big news is Dwayne the Rock Johnson is going to play Black Adam in Shazam. Yes, yes. Uh, I was kind of yes. hoping that he would just be Shazam. I know, <laughs> but Black Adam is still really cool. Yeah, yeah. that makes perfect sense. I mean, and, and it's going to be awesome. He's going to kill it. I so, think he's going to kill it. This is, I'll, I'll be totally honest, this is the most interesting DC news I think I've heard in five years. Um, this, to me, is maybe the one chance they have at making a DC universe, because the fucking Superman movie's not it. Yeah, um, the man, Batman v Superman. Whether that, that, even if that movie is good, that's not going to be enough to launch You know what a I cool think is the, real chance for, is the real chance for the DC universe? I mean, I think the Shazam movie definitely has some promise. Because um, it's weird. It's not what people expect. Nobody knows. It's just like Iron Man, right? Like, right. Nobody knows this you character. You know what else fits into that category, and that I'm really excited about the casting, is Jason Momoa as Aquaman. You think? You think, that, think, that, you think that Aquaman's going to be it? I think that Aquaman... I think that Aquaman could be the surprise that DC needs. Superman and Batman are always going to sell tickets, even if the movie sucks. They need to inject new blood. They need but, to try. They tried it with Green Lantern, and it didn't work because of obvious reasons. But well, there's no just, reason that you can't take a character like you said, the Iron Man type of vibe, and you know build on it. And I think Shazam is a perfect example of what you can do. Yeah, I think I think Shaz I think Shazam is the reason I say that Aquaman Aquaman's is just got such is a because stigma. Aquaman has a stigma, and I think when you blow that stigma out of the water, because it, it's out clear of that the water. Out oh, <laughs> it's clear that what they're doing is they're going for like Aquaman as like badass King of Atlantis. Like, yeah, I don't know if you guys ever watched the Justice League Unlimited. Uh, well, no, I didn't. Yeah, yeah, the Justice League Unlimited. Well, the, the I, cartoon actually, show. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, well, it was the first season of that? They made they made and they made Aquaman a badass dude. 
in this one he wasn't he wasn't like a because in some iterations he's a surface dweller who gains the power to communicate and becomes king of atlantis yeah in this one he's a little bit more like prince namor from the marvel universe yeah and he just is the king of atlantis but what happens is that basically like in order to save his son in, in this one you know daring sequence he has to chop his own fucking arm off and he does that and so he walks around the rest of the the rest of the show instead of having one of his like you know like kind of for, you know forearm and yeah, hand he's got like this harpoon hook thing yeah, that's and it cool. is really cool and that's why like if if you're curious about what i think they're going to do with aquaman you should go watch that story arc. It's it's the it's the Justice League cartoon from like two thousand one, two thousand two, and it it's like three or four episodes into the first season, and it is so badass. If they harness that using Jason Momoa as Aquaman, I think it's a surefire hit. It's going to surprise the shit out of everyone. Right. Uh, they've got a. They've got to pull it off well enough then in the short amount of time he's going to be in that movie to justify a two hundred million dollar sequel. Then, like. Yeah, that's, that's that, the it, issue. Is it, that, could they, be, it could just be like if, a Hawkeye character. Or a, what if, what what Marvel is currently doing with Hulk? If they just not drop, what they should be doing with Hulk. Yeah, if if they just drop Wonder Woman and Aquaman, who are the two characters I would be I will be most interested. Well, one of them. Uh, no, now after that argument, the now two characters I would be most interested in in a Superman Batman movie. Thank you. Um, <laughs> if they just drop them in at the end is like, hey, we're here too, guys. Uh, they those characters won't get a sequel. Like they're good. what they'll do is they will hopefully make that movie be successful, and then they will have a sequel called The Justice League, right. which is why they're calling it Dawn of Justice. Um, My guess is that what they're probably going to do, I I think is they're going to, I bet they're going to try to wrap Aquaman into sort of the origin story or whatever piece of the origin story we're going to get for Wonder Woman. Yeah. So Wonder Woman is going to be a much bigger character in that. And my guess is that Aquaman, because there's always just a lot of play between the Atlanteans and the Amazonians. Amazonians. I don't know why that spaced my mind for a yeah. second. But there's always a lot of interaction. That's why, like, Flashpoint Paradox was, like, the coolest fucking thing ever. Yeah. <laughs> um, but there's always a lot of interaction. So I think that's going to be... I think that's gonna. I think that's gonna kind of be the thing, and then with Justice League, they'll be able to expand on that a little more, and hopefully bring us in some other characters like Martian Manhunter and stuff. But oh uh, yeah, if, just as long as we can kick David Esquire out of the whole situation, then we'll get a Martian Manhunter. Does he not like Martian Manhunter? He says that it's a useless character, which means that he's never really read a comic book in his life because <laughs> Martian, Man, Martian Manhunter is badass. Ah, uh, okay, that like that right there. I mean, do. You, does anybody really think that they're going to make a sequel to Superman versus Batman? Um, well, do, I mean, do I think that the Justice League movie is going to happen? Why don't we wait and find out? Do, do you, are you saying? Are you asking me if I think that the is the Justice League movie going to happen? Y- yes, I think almost definitely. Because they're just so invested in it that even if they, I, I think even if ju- even if Batman vs Superman on, sucks, how much is the current budget? I, th- of I think so. Batman v Superman: Dawn of Justice. How it's much prob- is the it's probably, budget? probably about two hundred mil. Yeah, two hundred mil. Uh, it's probably higher. Than the, it. It's, it's got to be two ninety. I something. mean, I it, really I don't. Pushing I don't know if I, think it's I, I mean, Man of Steel did solid enough numbers to to say that this could work. Yeah, but they have to they have to rework a lot of stuff. It's an action movie. Like, yeah, it's just. It's a the, the problem is that they didn't. I don't. I, I feel like they didn't really do Man of Steel in a fashion because from Iron Man one, you knew that they were at least 
wanting to do Avengers. Right. Right. Like that was clear, obviously, with the with the after credit scene. With with Man of Steel, I think they were well, for one thing, I think that they thought that Green Lantern was going to be the start of a proper DC cinematic universe. Oh, they definitely thought and that. And so which, with which Man of Steel, right I think it. they, they just, just didn't know if they were going to have it again, if it was going to be the thing. Well, and they had to make sure that Superman still sold. Like, yeah. Because yeah, the last time they tried to do it in 2006, it utterly failed. Well, that was because they tried to re they tried to rehash a series that was already out of date. I mean, well, well that, that, and, that well, that and was... it's emo spider it, it, not not emo Spider Man, emo <laughs> Superman. Yeah, there's emo was... Spider Man and emo Superman out there's there. There's some things that I just I I wonder I wonder what the uh, what the people were thinking. When they, there are times when I see a movie and it's not good, but I'm like, okay, I get what they were trying to do, and it just fell a little flat. Yeah. Fair enough. Sometimes I'm just you know like Superman Returns. I was like Brian Singer, what the fuck were you thinking? <laughs> He was busy directing King Kong. Uh, go watch the special features on Superman Returns. Um, yeah, it, I don't know. I I just think that those characters are pretty fucking lame. And uh, Superman specifically, Batman cool, but Superman pretty fucking lame. And Superman works well, I think. And it's the thing that always because I'm not a Superman hater, but I'm not a huge fan. Superman works amazing as an idea. Yeah. And so the idea of Superman so like tackling it as tackling the character as like the philosophy mm-hmm. of like this man who is virtu- who's has virtually limitless power, what do you do with that? And I th- I think that's the potential we have in Dawn of Justice. Yeah. Is that if they do that and it's not just like, well, I'm Batman and you're Superman and I should fight you, then I think we're going to be okay. I think it's going to be a good movie. Right. Yeah. If it if it tackles the idea like they did in in Frank Miller's Dark Knight Returns, which I think they're going to be leaning pretty oh, yeah. heavily on oh, for this yeah. next one, at least what we saw from the leaked Comic-Con footage. Yeah, yeah. It's pretty apparent. I think the the length of the ears on the Batman costume tell you exactly what Brian Singer was, or what Zack Snyder was looking well, at. And, yeah, and then that... that, that like, don't that, bring that, Brian Singer back into these movies. <laughs> no. that, that leaked teaser had, had Batman in what uh, at least very much appears to be... The Dark Knight the, Returns. The Dark Knight suit. Returns, I'm going to fucking fight Superman... But yeah. the thing that sucks is that they announced that they're not going to be bringing, they're not going to be bringing Arrow and Flash, or at least TV Arrow and Flash, in for the movie. How do you defeat Superman if you don't have Oliver well, Queen? <laughs> I heard that they're going to have Flash, uh, they're going to have their own Flash in a Flash Green Lantern team up movie. Um, and I don't, that does not but, sound so, good. But the Flash and the oh, Flash and Arrow from the fuck. TV show are their own universe. In like the TV, this is so not stupid. To, I know they're not. They're not making the right decision. DC needs to go spend money on ideas that were cool. They should have made. <laughs> they should have made Green Arrow. They should have made Green Arrow Max like eight years ago, right. uh, which is the one where Green Arrow is in prison and he's just breaking out of prison, and you don't have to explain who the fuck Green Arrow is. He's just fucking Green Arrow. Um, like he and he shoots people in the face with arrows, and he breaks out of prison for some goddamn reason. And he, I, I mean, I just like, really, I really think that DC well, is missing it's different. Yeah, I think that DC is just missing a massive opportunity by not synergizing their movie and TV universes that they're yeah. working on, especially because the T- the Arrow TV show is one of the best things that DC has ever done. Yeah, and so not capitalizing that, and also bringing. I mean, because, I mean, let's not lie, Stephen Amell is dreamy, and all the, you know, a lot of the teen girls are swooning. Yeah. Why not take that advantage that you have in the demographic that the CW works on building, but has also built a good rapport with, you know, the more mainstream nerds like us, because that show is just fucking cool. Because they're not Marvel. (laughs) 
<laughs> I guess, but like, man, I mean, whoever's making these decisions, they should pay me half the amount, and I'll do twice as I'll make them twice as much money. Yeah, yeah. So says the rest of the internet. But yeah, um, but I'm I'm the right one. <laughs> the rest of the internet's wrong. Then go fuck off. Yep. Uh, cool, cool, cool. Uh, hey, trying to see before we go, do you mind sticking around for one more segment and doing uh, a comic book corner with us? Sure. What's up, nerds? It's the Comics Corner. So you weren't expecting this, but uh, you're a guy who reads comic books. Why don't you tell us about uh, one of your favorite comics? What's one out there that if you somebody who's maybe not into comics, a book that they could jump if onto could and maybe... You, if you could name the one comic book that changed your life. Okay, it doesn't have to be that serious. <laughs> that's what you're for. Well, um... um... Oh, that's a tough call because there's two that I'd like to talk about. But do, do them both. Okay. One of them is is a series that I'm reading right now. My friend, uh, my friend Brandon recommended it to me. It's a it's a Vertigo series called Preacher. Oh shit! Yeah, Preacher is good. And uh, I just started reading the first. Vo- I'm in the middle of the first volume, and it is spectacular. Yeah, it, it the the art style is amazing. The storyline is very interesting. It's kind of it, I mean it's kind of like if you took some of the base elements of what Todd McFarlane was probably thinking about when he created Spawn. Yeah. And you take it to just a different level, yeah, more and darker it's realm. A, it's a it's yeah. a British guy writing about westerns and God. Yeah, um, and it's and he doesn't really understand either of those, but it's fucking cool. Yeah, and <laughs> it it it's it's really spectacular. I, yeah. and I just I'm lo- I'm I'm loving reading it. In fact, that is what I'm going to do when I go home. I'm yeah. probably going to uh, finish up that preacher. You, yeah. uh, <laughs> I would love to have you back someday when you're done with it. Because you have no idea what's coming. Your oh way. man, I I know I have no. I mean, you know, basically where I'm at right now, thirty people just got their fucking heads blown off. Yep. And um, and I can't wait to read more. Man, oh god, yeah, that's a that's a really really great book. The other one, the other one that I would like to bring up was the, a limited series, and I've it's been a little bit hard. I've been trying to track down the. I bought e, like ebook copies of them. But it's been hard to track down the physical copies because I'm a bit of a collector. Not like yeah, right. right. <laughs> I've only got like one and a half long boxes. Not, <laughs> I'm not. I'm not big time here. Yeah. But um, it was a, and I think it was from, like it was from like 2003 and 2000, or 2004. I think I could be wrong by I could be off by a few years. But yeah. it was a Justice League Avengers crossover. Oh uh, yeah. It was like a five part limited series. Have you read it? No. It I is. Remember, I've heard about it. Yeah. It is incredible. It was a really cool way of tying both of the universes together, basically by having this trans-dimensional being who was basically because he was trying to gather these artifacts so that he could rematerialize. And so he tasks the Justice League with going over into the Marvel Universe and collecting these, like, five artifacts of power. And he tasks the Avengers with going into the DC universe and collecting these like five articles of power, and so you know, and and they're artifacts that you know they're things like the Infinity Gauntlet mm-hmm. um, is one of them, and um, I'm trying to think I'm trying to think of some of the other ones. I think the Cosmic Cube, um, and so, but there are a few really cool scenes, um, and one of them is like. Captain America and Batman are fighting each other on this rooftop, and they're the first people to realize that they're being fucking stupid. <laughs> and, like, That's realizing that they should team up instead of just wailing on each other because something is clearly not right. <laughs> and that one's really cool. And 
I won't tell you exactly the context of it, but I'll just say that the cover for the fifth and final issue of this limited series is Superman holding Cap's shield and Mjolnir. <laughs> so, I mean, that that is one that just like, if you just want to just like nerdgasm until, you know, you're like dead on the couch. Yeah. You got to read those. Ones. It's it's an absolutely amazing, amazing limited series. I love That's it. That's really cool. That's well, awesome. here I will I will hopefully give you a hint. Uh, if you go to Colorado Quince Cards, Cards and Comics up in Arvada, they've got a really good collection of a lot of those old comics, and they're really well priced. You can probably you might be able to to help yourself find some of those old issues there. Um, plus, anybody else who's listening, who if you have not read Preacher, I mean we've talked about it before, dude, shit is great. And before Seth Rogen makes whatever thing he's making. Um, you should check that out. And if you go to Coins Cards, you can get any of those trades for twenty percent off, which is just stupid. Like, why buy them anywhere go else? To Andrew, he hooks you. Yeah, Andrew is fantastic. Tell him that the real nerd sent you. Um, and Sean, thanks for helping us with that ad. Thanks for <laughs> thanks for having me on the show. I've been, I've been <laughs> Thank you. It. Oh, yeah. So before you go, Sean Asitas, tell us where we can find out about your event, uh, where we can go uh, for Stubby Shillelaghs again. Okay, so you can go to thestubbies.net. That's uh, T-H-E-S-T-U-B-B-I-E-S.net. Um, we, we usually have an updated events calendar on there. The best place to follow us is Facebook because we update it the most because it's the easiest. Mm -hmm. So if you type in the Stubby, S-T-U-B-B-Y, you'll probably find us. If not, Shillelaghs is spelled S-H-I. L L E L A G H S. The charity event is September twentieth from seven to nine at the Crest Theater in Greeley. Entry is free with a suggested five dollar donation, and there's going to be so much fun stuff going on there. Um, you know, there's going to be cosplayers, raffles, and of course, there's going to be uh, there's going to be booze there because they have a bar. Awesome, awesome. <laughs> and it's we, a really cool little. We theater. can get the we can get the single on iTunes and yep, places get, like that yep. now. Yep, you can find it uh, pretty much anywhere you can find music. Awesome. As a, uh, and, and we'll be donating an equal amount if you buy the... We'll be donating the same amount um, whether you buy the... Um the single or whether you buy the album. So awesome. we're still donating if you, buy the, if you buy the full album. We're just uh, also donating if you buy just Gotham's Finest. So. Cool. Excellent. Okay, Perfect. awesome. Thank you so Thank much you for so coming much. on the show. Thanks for having me on the show. All right, well, um, now that they're taking off, uh, let's do what we've been watching. Okay. So, uh, yeah, this is the stuff we've been watching. James, what did you watch this week? Um, I saw a couple of things. Uh, the first thing I want to talk about is I got to, a chance to see Double Indemnity for the first time. Double Indemnity. Yeah, I, I, you know, you you know this, but this year one of the things I've been doing is going through sort of my list of shame and trying to cross stuff off finally. Uh, and when I do it, I buy a Blu-ray of it and and really give it its due. Um, and Double Indemnity was one that I'd had on the list, and then a couple weeks ago we saw a trailer for it at the Alamo. Or actually, mm -hmm. not a, yeah, we saw a trailer before Sin City at the Alamo, and you were talking about it, and I was like, okay, I gotta take the time and, and watch that. So uh, I rented it, or I, I bought it, um, and it's interesting. Did you get it's, the two disc Universal Legacy Series edition? No, I didn't see that one. Ooh. Usually, uh, what I'm trying to do is get the the one that I got is it's in like a really nice case. Um, so I, I just assumed it was the nicest version. Is it Blu-ray? Uh, yeah, it's in a Blu-ray. It's uh, it got like a little book with it, uh, or no, it's got an envelope with it with some pictures, and then it goes into a sleeve. But the the actual DVD itself is just like a, a fairly normal DVD. Okay. Uh, but it's got a whole lot of special features on it. It's it's pretty cool. It's a good one. Um, the uh, overall, like I I really like Double Indemnity, and it is obviously if if you haven't seen it, basically it, it uh, um, sort of one of the early. It's or, one of the, top, the, it's, the early. It's, it's one of the noir films. Yeah, yeah. It really sort of um, set the stage for that whole 
uh, genre uh, because basically it starts off with this guy who um, he's he's clearly distressed in some way. Um, Walter Walter Neff, um, mm-hmm. and he he's basically telling the story of why he killed this person, um, and then he flashes back and and basically he's an insurance salesman. He um, meets this guy's wife and she basically tells him uh, who's played by Barbara Stanwyck and she basically tells him like she sort of like lures him into feeling like the two of them are in this together and that that what they should do is get an insurance policy out an accident policy out on her husband and then maybe he has an accident and dies yep and her um, husband played by Edward G Robinson right who is uh, great in the film I haven't seen Double Indemnity in a while, but I remember him being fantastic in it. Fred McMurray plays uh, Walter Neff, and Barbara Stanwyck, obviously, the wife. Yeah. Did you um, you know the you know how uh, Walter uh, lights the cigarette by yeah, striking it with like, his finger? Uh-huh. We did an homage to that in Twombly. The, oh yeah. In the scene where um, after you see that Twombly has the gun, we cut to the bar, and um, <clears throat> Scott Schulte, the editor of Guns, Drugs, and Synergy. Um, when we were in pre-production on Synergy, because um, I was producing it, I was like, "I want you to be in my in my black and white movie." And he's like, "Okay, can I uh, can I light a cigarette like the guy Walter Neff in Double Indemnity?" And I said, "If you can light a cigarette with your thumb and you could do it the first time on the first take, I will give you five hundred dollars." What do you think he did? Did he do it <laughs> on set? First Holy try, because he said I had been practicing, and I'm like, well, that's fine. I just don't have five hundred dollars to give you. <laughs> it, honestly, I can't believe you believed me during, during the movie. I reneged on a set bet <laughs> uh, during the movie. I went online and started like watching videos on how you do that. All the matches I have, none of them are uh, strike, strike anywhere. Yeah, you matches. need to strike a strike anywhere yeah. strikeaway match. It's yeah. really it, it, like, and he we did two takes on it, but like he did it on the first try, and I was like, this is just so like we're we're right back in that era. <laughs> and like, and I'm sure I don't know how many takes Fred McMurray had to do, or he's just like, no, come on, give it to me. <laughs> oh, it was, it's such a cool little thing. Edward G. Robinson um, going like, you're doing it wrong, Shane. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it was though. I was talking to a friend of mine at work though, and we were talking about how sometimes you'll watch an old movie and like you like it, you appreciate it, but when it's all said and done, you don't really love it. Like, there's this sort of disappointment that can come with with watching a classic many years later that you've never seen. And I did sort of feel that with this one. Like, I didn't. This movie didn't end in a way that made me so excited the way that like Rebecca did or or one of those um because I and I think in this case it's because I didn't actually like any of these people like Walter it's a it's a tragic story but it's not one that sticks with me because I don't like love those characters um none of the there really isn't a villain. Like, your main characters are your villains, and those villains aren't so... Like, part of why I love Rebecca is that Rebecca as a villain is so menacing and brilliant. Um, and there there isn't a villain like that to cling on to, nor is there, like, a hero that I really love. There's nobody um, to counteract it. Yeah. You know, it's funny... If but you, it's a cool movie. If you watch The Man Who, isn't, who, the man who Wasn't There, mm-hmm. that's a more sympathetic version of Double Indemnity in some ways. Oh, okay. Interesting. Or it feels like it. It's not the same story. Right. Or it's not the same, like, archetypes, but it has the same feel that you're talking about. Yeah. But you have a character who's not sympathetic so much as, like, you're... He's more relatable than everybody else. Like, or Fargo. Fargo's another good example. Yeah. You don't really have any sympathy for William H. Macy's character, even though he no. is very pathetic. Yeah. Well, and he's he's just really entertaining. Yeah. Um, whereas, I don't know that Neff is... Fred like, McMurray. he's cool. Yeah. 
Um, but he's not, he doesn't steal scenes the way that William H. Macy does in that one. That's um, true. I bet at the time he did. But, well, yeah. but that's the thing. I was like, he's the William H. Macy back, of his day. <laughs> yeah, like sometimes when you go back to, an old, to older movies, some of the things that were great about them just don't strike the way. And it's not uh, any fault of the movie. It's just that you end up sort of being like, oh, yeah, it was good. Right. Um, so, yeah, that was cool. Um, the other thing I want to talk about is I watched um, Noah this week. Uh, Darren Aronofsky's Noah. Noah. Uh, Jinx, you owe me a coat. Damn it. I have a Mountain Dew in my hand. Yeah, so Darren Aronofsky's Noah. Um, Watched this with my folks, which was very interesting. Um, This was a movie that, like, I was was really curious about. I'd heard about the comic. I'd heard about, like, oh, there's giants and shit in the comic. And I was like, okay, that's weird. So it's based on a comic adaptation of of the Noah story. So, no. What it is is... He wanted to make this movie years ago before he had money, um, but of course he didn't have money and couldn't get anybody to make it. So he made a comic. This is the way the story was told to me, so I maybe okay. I'm wrong. But um, so he went and uh, took the script and turned it into a comic, uh, and they published a comic of it for a while. And then this years later, when he but it was still something that like nagged at him. He still liked the story a lot, and so then when he got the chance, he decided to make a movie of it. And basically. Um. Uh, all right, so I really like this movie. And how, lo- how, now, how long is me. it? I haven't seen it, and I love Darren Aronofsky, it's but it's long. It's pretty long. Okay. Um, that's good. I got that's a, a Bible epic should be long. Yeah. Um. So here's what's interesting. So it's got rock giants in it. Um. That's that was never in the Bible, to my knowledge. No. But there, that it's, sounds awesome. It's them taking. It's their interpretation of something. Um. And in and that's the thing that like. I had to tell my parents, and I told I would tell anybody who sees this movie, like, this is their interpretation of a story. That, um, now, Mom, before you watch this movie, I don't hate God. <laughs> so, okay, no, there's two things about the story of Noah. One, is it, it's, it's very short. Uh, and two, is it's not about Noah. Um, the, the interesting character and the main character of the story of Noah is God, who goes from being wrathful to, at the end, with the, with the rainbow be, be being sort of merciful. Mm-hmm. Um, and that story is what's interesting about the story of Noah. And so what they did here was they took that character arc and gave it to Noah. Um, so mm. it's it's a rough movie to watch. Um, there's a lot of like visual metaphors. There's a lot of things. You know, if you if you've seen the fountain and you like the fountain, then you might like this movie uh, because there's just weird shit. You don't know what's going on all the time. Yeah. Or what it really means. Um, but basically starts off Noah's wandering through the desert with his family and some rock giant angels come to him and bring him to his grandfather and he starts building an ark because it's going to rain and everybody's going to get killed. Uh, and the turn comes when, uh, so his, his one son, his oldest son has sort of a wife uh, or a girlfriend that they found early in the movie. Um, and the two of them are, uh, are going to get married. Um, yeah, they're going to get married, and his other two sons are like, well, there's nobody for us. Like, if we, if if our little family gets on this boat, like, how are we going to repopulate the earth? Uh, and so Noah goes into town, basically, to find some women for his sons. Um, and what he sees there is this this pretty horrific scene where, like, people are kidnapping women and giving them to the authorities and trading them for meat, and, like, it's just horrible. Um, And so at that point, there is this moment where he turns and he goes back and he says, you know what? 
Uh, oh, because the other thing is that his oldest son's wife is barren. Okay. Um, so he, they're like, they're really like, dude, if we do this, like, we can't repopulate the earth. So he goes back to the boat and he goes, you know what? Uh, we're fucked. And putting humanity on the earth was the worst decision that God ever made. So we are going to get wiped out and we're all going to die with us. Like, we're going to be the end. So we're going to make sure that the animals get to the other side, but we're done. Um, and <laughs> he gets, um, I think that tension and that, that Noah that they are portraying, they put that person in a very rough place and make him make some very rough decisions. Um, that of course, are, none of that is in, in the Bible at all. Um, uh, but it doesn't matter to me cause I think that that story is really interesting. Right. Um, and then of course, you know, he has to learn some lessons and, uh, but it's, it's, I think it's really interesting. And there's and giant then, rock I, it's, monsters in there, apparently. So. Yep, and there's giant rock monsters. Um, Which, I, I think it's pretty cool. I definitely think it's worth checking out, um, even as long as it is. Like it's a, it's an interesting take on that story. Do you wish uh, you and it just it stuck with me. It was a movie that I had to think about, that I had to wrestle with for a while. And anytime a movie does that with me, I'm I'm interested. Did you wish that you had seen it like on an IMAX? Because I know it got a big IMAX release and stuff like that. So I, was it like a movie that? Would have been good to watch on the big screen, like a Ten Commandments or a... It's definitely beautiful. It's definitely beautiful. Um, I don't know that... I don't know that it matters that much, though. Okay. Like this, the, what's important to me is this this character and the story arc that they're telling. Um, so the rest of it, like, as cool as it is visually, I don't know that I ha- would have to see it that way. But Right on. Yeah. Cool. Right on. Cool. What did I watch this week? Yeah, what did you watch this week? Um. Wow. I went through a bunch of stuff. Um, I actually went through some old movies myself. I watched the original House on Haunted Hill with Vincent Price. And um, right from the get-go, it starts off very, very 60s with a floating head coming out going like, <laughs> everybody's going to die tonight. <laughs> and then it just goes into this really weird haunted house story where Vincent Price plays a millionaire who holds a party. And um, if they can survive the night in the haunted mansion, they win $10,000. Um, and, uh, of course everything starts going wrong in the mansion. Um, it's a very William Castle movie. And the reason I say that, cause it's directed by William Castle, the king of the gimmicks, um, in huh. old horror Hollywood. Like he did the tingler and, um, they would have the things at the bottom of the seat that would, you know, fiddle around on your feet. And so then that way you're like interacting with the movie. Um, or like he did some movies where like, you'd be like, um, uh, he'd tell the audience to scream and stuff like that, get them involved. Um, and I cannot remember the uh, gimmick for House on Haunted Hill, but I can see the areas where it would be kind of gimmicky. Like he mm. could have skeletons flying out um, across a theater and whatnot to scare the shit out of people. Uh. So to watch it, with, you have to watch it with that in mind sometimes. Uh, I think with some movies you have to watch them in the context of how they were released, like Hmm. Rocky Horror Picture Show kind of works that way where you should watch it with an audience. Um, So to watch this film, like you had to kind of imagine the gimmicks coming at you, but even without it, it's a solid little horror story, like for its time. Um, And I watched it in color, which is kind of weird. So because it was the the only version available on Hulu and it's the only access that I had at that time because I was watching it before a meeting. Yeah. Um, and then I watched uh, two other things. I watched the Shawshank Redemption, which is great. I, I dare you to find a more perfect film 
uh, in there, many, many ways. There's a reason why it's the number one on IMDb. Like yeah, it is, nobody hates that it's movie. It's really tight, yeah. You can't find any problem with it. And I didn't realize this before, but and you know, I, I'm sure I'm like really slow on this gravy train, but you don't really know what Red Dud did to go to Shawshank. Nope. You don't really know. And so I loved I, – I didn't look at it with that in mind. I knew that he probably committed murder or something like that or something very egregious. Yeah. But so – but watching it with the – with not knowing what he was committed for really gave me a different uh, uh, view on that film, I guess I should say, where I, I thought about it not as just Andy Dufresne's redemption but also Red's redemption, mm-hmm. and he gets it in the form of Andy Dufresne because Andy Dufresne as a character seems very – he he knows how to make every right decision. Yeah. Even if it's not to his benefit, he knows what every he's the most morally right character in 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 any movie that I've ever seen. Well, and and you know, if you've if you've ever had a creative writing class or just an English class in general, you know one thing and that is that uh because Red narrates the movie, the movie has to be about Red. Um so as interesting as Dufresne's like story is, the it's truth Red's is, story. It's it's Red's character arc that is actually what we are left with right. it's that idea that through do Duf- through meeting Dufresne that's really why Red eventually gets parole and gets saved from what um, what Brooks was damned to right like the reason that that he doesn't end up with Brooks' life is because of Dufresne right and James um, Whitmore is Brooks by the way that's awesome. a that's a great performance yeah like just like one of the best that is one of the best best supporting character kind of moments like that got ignored from the from an Oscar kind yeah. of campaign um one of the things i also love about this film like this is before the digital era um so you there's all the sweeping shots and all the exterior shots the wide shots have real people in them i love seeing that i hate seeing digitalized people in the backgrounds of stuff mm-hmm. to create a bigger space there's like all the prisoners are actually there and the shots of it are so sweeping and so epic it almost seems like they were making a 60s style um epic about prison mm-hmm. because if you watch most films about prison they're pretty gritty grimy to the wall yeah they're and, not yeah. sweeping epics they don't try to not it's not glamorizing it's hollywoodizing mm-hmm. um uh the prison that's the only that's the one thing that Shawshank does like it kind of makes it a hollywood affair yeah. like, well because it is a like if you put that and green mile next to each other for obvious reasons they are two very differently shot movies like you, you say the same director makes two movies in a jail and you think like oh well they're going to feel similar no um, no they don't it feels more it's shot more like last castle uh where the where you're supposed to get out of the prison right um and it gives you the hope that you're going to get out of the prison because yeah. we're over it because pr- we're not feeling confined be, and claustrophobic the prison gets to be a part of the rest of the world rather than like in the green green mile or most prison prison movies where the prison is the world um so yeah no it's great right and then the last thing i saw is i went to riff tracks live godzilla oh wow it's funny because i was going to bring that up because uh when you're talking about the other movie being in black and white um, every time that I get a chance to see uh, Plan 9 from Outer Space, which I've never seen in theaters, it's always colorized, and I refuse to see it that way. It's you. Well, okay, I'm going to talk about Plan 9 from Outer Space for a second because okay. you've piqued my interest. I love Plan 9 from Outer Space. Me too. I, I'm a big fan of uh, Ed Wood movies. Yeah. Um, watching that in the black and white makes it so much more special. Yeah. It does. It really, really does. And I've seen the colorized version um, with the Rift Tracks commentaries and mm-hmm. stuff like that. Right. Like I've seen the live show before. And. It still doesn't compare to watching that in a black and white. Like, you know what would be great is if you could watch a 35-millimeter print of it. 
Like if you could actually just project it on there. Yeah. Because you'd get that experience of being in a 50 cinema. Right. Um, like we're going to be going to see the Treasure of the Sierra Madre in 35, 35. millimeter. And that to me is like going to be the ultimate movie experience of this year because of that. Yeah. Um, I watched Rift Tracks Godzilla, and this was they were doing the Godzilla from 1998, <laughs> Roland Emmerich's. Oh, really? Little, little gem, yeah. Dude, they, I... they did it for via a Kickstarter fund where they got the permission to show the movie in theaters and oh. make money off of it. Oh, because they, yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you have wouldn't to pay the, be you have to pay the uh, usage rights, right. and I mean they they pointed out everything obviously that's wrong with that film, but watching that film again on a big screen. And getting the commentary with them every so often was hilarious as fuck. Their reactions to like I, I, I recommend everybody go to rifttracks.com and download that specific commentary and get Godzilla, the Roland Network version for like a dollar ninety nine on iTunes and just sit down and watch it. It's 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 a really fun experience. I love the Rift Tracks live crew. I, I, they, I think they're gonna be doing another big screen at a, a big screen film uh very very soon i can't remember oh, cool. which one but um go on to rifttracks.com they'll be able to give you that information very cool very cool i i really like roland emmerich's godzilla you do i do i why? can't help it i it's 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 it i mean i don't know why but the i mean obviously the cgi has changed over the yeah, years the CGI it's hard to great, watch it like, these days like it does look very obviously fake do you remember that matthew broderick got like uh pneumonia on the set of that movie because the cgi was so inadequate that they kept making it rain on every scene yeah so the whole set was just soaked at all times yeah so they were going to work just like working in the rain constantly <laughs> but uh i don't know like it's there's something charming about it to me like i think it's i think it's got some fun like funny moments to it um Godzilla is not like obviously the new Godzilla that Godzilla as a character and as a monster was more intimidating and cooler. I um, thought that movie was much more cooler in general than Roland Emmerich's one because Roland Emmerich's one felt very felt very 90s. Yeah. Very very fucking was, 90s. Yeah, it was made in the 90s. Like, yeah, that's true. I mean, I know, yeah, like <laughs> it it feels to me like Independence I get what Day. I get what you're saying. Right? Yeah, like it's, Independence it's a fun Day blockbuster movie. Yeah, like Independence Day is stupid. The plot doesn't make sense. The like, wow, you know, you can't give a, a a virus to a space alien ship. <laughs> like, some of the lines are corny as hell. Right. Like, whatever. I don't care. The movie is fun to me. Um, and there's just something about like, if if Godzilla had been called Godzilla, if that movie weren't called, called Godzilla, if it was just called Giant Lizard. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like, if it were just uh, some other kaiju movie, then I think it would be okay. Right. Um. They, it's just that, like the fact that they're tying it sort of into Godzilla that, like, is 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 right. stepping the ba- overstepping a boundary. Well, at least for some people. For yeah. me, I was fine because I'm like, dude, Godzilla's a sh- like old shitty movie where a guy is in a suit. Whoa, like, whoa, 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 whoa! It, that first. I'm one's not saying really it's good. not. I, yeah, it's cool. <laughs> um, like and it has its place, but like in a very Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles way, like the bar is not really that high to some degree. Like. Like those movies are cool, and and actually that's unfair because the, the old movies were of their time, right? Right, of their time. Um, which is just but I'm just like saying, the... like it's it's a movie where a giant monster rampages through a city, right? Uh, and that's what that one is. Okay, um, I can I can I, see that point. I thought of view. I thought like the the whole sort of story element of of it, like you know, laying eggs, and now all the, there's like Velociraptor Godzillas everywhere, like that kind of <laughs> thing was on cool. Basketballs. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, sure. It's silly. That was a f- um, my friend uh, Derek Armio, who has a great um, uh, podcast called Popsicles, and he also does a a blog called Picture Start. 
he uh, he described it really great. As it was one of the best uh, uh, to- Toys R Us commercials he'd ever seen, or like a, to- <laughs> like a commercial for Nerf balls or something like yeah. that. Yeah, he just made a really good comparison to it. Where I was just like, yeah, this movie is a very big commercial in some ways yeah. for a lot of things. But um, but yeah, check out the Rift Tracks one. Is it the? It's probably the last Roland Emmerich movie I like. Because after that, you just you didn't like the day after tomorrow. Hell no. I kind of liked it. Oh, God. The I Day After Tomorrow is like the tentpole for me of how bad his... I liked 2012 I, I liked more. The whole, I liked the whole, like, global warming has gotten so bad that boom. Like, I was just like, that's kind of funny. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, like, at least 2012 was at least so ridiculous and over the top that I was like, what the fuck are you doing? Like, Woody Harrelson in that movie is funny as day shit. Day After Tomorrow wanted to be about something, but then it was just like, I don't know, there were these horrible CGI wolves... And uh, yeah. man, um, Roland Emmerich's kind of silly. Cool, but cool. anyway, all right. So this week we saw Life of Crime. Yeah, we did. Yeah, well, I mean, let's uh, we'll get into it. Uh, James, what did you? Oh, what, what was who, that? Who was that? Wait, is that the door? Yeah, is that the door. Here, I'll go somebody open the door. Creak. Why? Oh, the door's Kane. open now. Surprise, boys! Oh wow, hi, Spencer. Man, what's wow. going on, fellas? Not much. How are you? What, what? What are you doing in the neighborhood? I was just popping by. You were seeing that you guys' lights was on. Popping by. What are you doing? Went for a drug deal? I like to walk the streets <laughs> late at night. Yeah. <laughs> Spencer Kane walks the streets at night protecting Denver. That's right. Uh, man, well, thanks for stopping by, Spencer. Yeah, while man, you're thanks for having me. While you're here, would you like to sit down and talk about the movie? I know you saw it, Life of Crime. Yeah, yeah I think absolutely. you were watching it while in the car on your way over here. Yeah, right? yeah a little yeah. cell phone thing just yeah. before I rolled up. It's all on your iPhone. <laughs> that, the thing about the movie we saw this week, all on VOD, all on demand, yeah. right at your fingertips. And uh, do you want to? Have, do you have anything to plug while you're here? You know, hey, while well, I'm shamelessly sitting here. Um... <laughs> As a matter of fact, I actually I just got cast in my first lead role in a feature film oh, called really Boulder cool. Buds. Right on. Really cool. What's actually, it about? It's well, it's about a, a young man. It's it's one of those uh like kind of an identity crisis about a young guy that's uh, making some some less than admirable choices and he slings weed for a living, so his life is a calamity mm. as a result of those choices. Right. Cool. Absolutely. Well, that sounds awesome, man. And I'm just the guy to portray that <laughs> shit. <laughs> you are just the calamity. You mean you're the type of guy who does all that? Hmm. Yeah, minus the slinging weed. I yeah, never did I, get into that. I, I don't yeah. think you need to. There's no reason to. You're an actor. You never had enough to sling. You just had enough for you. Just enough for me. <laughs> just, and I would smoke that way too quick. <laughs> all I need is mine. <laughs> right on. Uh, so this week we saw Life of Crime. James, should people go see Life of Crime? Uh, yes, but a quick caveat. Ooh. Um, so, you know, we did something really weird this week, like I said at the beginning of the show, where we, we, we saw a movie that's released, being released in, you know, independently, you know, so not everybody can see it right now, but also being released digitally. And so it was like, hey, this is a cool opportunity for us to see something, you know, digitally before it's really released. Um, so I went to the Amazon and found it there and said, like, oh, well, I will purchase this on Amazon. I'll rent it there, and then we'll watch it on my TV. Except that when I tried to pull up what I had rented on my PlayStation or my Roku or any of those devices, it was not available. So I had purchased it already on my computer, but I could only watch it on the computer. And I was like, what is this bullshit? So then I had to go, and I had to buy it, rent it on my PlayStation as well and watch it on my PlayStation. So I rented it twice in order to get it to work, which was kind of annoying. Like, you know, it's... It's really cool that this thing is getting out there, and I would I would pay seventeen or like fourteen bucks to see this to to, to rent this, so not a big deal. Um, but still, it was like they they the barrier to entry is is clearly a little bit 
too steep um, to uh, to really make this like a cool opportunity for little movies that wouldn't normally get the exposure yeah. to really get into most people's homes. So it's there's a little difficulty. It's got to yeah. be easy access because I am so inept with technology that it's got to be so easy for me to do that. You know what I'm saying? Right. I, Dude, I, I was, would fail at the first mission. Fucking, that you I was, did there. I was syncing up Chromecasts Holy and shit. like I don't even know what those words mean. <laughs> and like, oh yeah, no, it was ridiculous. Spencer, do you um, know what Facebook is still? <laughs> that's the only thing I know how to use to its maximum potential, and even then, I still have a hard time tagging people. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. Like I'm a, I'm a huge Jackie Brown fan. Um, so these characters are, are already important to me. And I think that, that, uh, most F and shoot the other guy, John Hawks. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I think they did a really great job and it's, it's, it's funny. It's fun to, you know, keep on top of. Uh, and I think it's definitely worth checking out. Right on. Spencer, should people go see life of crime? I think so. It was very cool. Right on. I'm gonna agree. Agree. This is three for three. I thought I'm a big fan of Jackie Brown. That is my all-time favorite film by far. Wow! And so to watch a prequel to it and to watch one that was very well done, um, the spirit of Jackie Brown was there. The spirit of those '70s black exploitation films were there, but also the '70s crime films, anything from the exploitation era. Um, there's a lot of like nice little shots and homages to that period of cinema. Uh, the performances were excellent. Yasmin Bay. Um, the uh, or most deaf as yeah. he's now, um, <laughs> he uh, <laughs> he uh, he was great in it as Odell. Uh, John Hawks did a great job playing Lewis, um, and I love Jennifer Aniston in it. It's one of my yeah. it's one of my favorite Jennifer Aniston roles in recent memory. Except for I, I like the Weird the Millers, but she I thought she did a great job playing a, good, a victim here. <laughs> Um, yeah. Tim Robbins is hilarious. He's in the it. man. Yep, <laughs> and Will Forte really good great. in the movie. He was <laughs> awesome. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> nice. Really good great job comic on that moments, guy. So yeah. So anyway, here's a trailer for Life of Crime. Listen, I'm going down to South Beach tonight. I told you about that, right? I don't know. You might have. Baby, what do you want to do? You want to have sex? Since we're going to bed, yeah. <laughs> I filed. Wow. That's her. Oh, that's hot. The one we want. Oh, this is unbelievable. Yeah, I know. It's a little strange. Yeah. Frank? Tomorrow morning, you're going to go to the bank and draw $1 million out of your account and deposit to account number 89. Slow down. What am I, a stenographer? million dollars it's just not gonna happen what do you mean should i get it do you want me to get it maybe you should get it i'll get it i'm getting it i'm afraid mr dawson isn't here right now this melanie with the big the woman want to hang up the phone on us they think it's a game i'll call him we need to make an impression melanie is he upstairs or did he leave the island I'm willing to cooperate because I like you. Uh-huh. And I don't want to end up in the ocean again. He filed for divorce. You tell him he's never going to see his wife again? He doesn't want to see his wife again. You just saved him a hundred grand a year in alimony? Are you going to kill me? Is there a problem? I am that hard. You hope you didn't. But you are a piss poor extortionist, if you don't mind me saying. He's so dumb, it's adorable. 
Hey, you keep your wife out here. Someone's liable to steal her. You promise? <laughs> One of the things that I love about this film is that when you when you're going into it, you're not you're not set up in the same way as Jackie Brown. Like you're not set up with this with this one central character that you're like following throughout the whole film. You're yeah. introduced to a whole caveat of characters, and you get to experience this full rich world. Um, Lewis and Ordell, their friendship is perfectly set up at the beginning to where you can understand where they can both kind of like understand where each other is coming from. So that way, any decision that they make, you know, it doesn't really go over anybody's head. Um, and I love the way they set up, like the, they set up the simplicity of the crime. Like they didn't try to overcomplicate it with yeah. a bunch of fast shots. They did it in a slow, meticulous fashion where everything felt like as if though it was actually progressing in real time. And it's kind of cool because you know, with a with a movie like this, you always know that um, you know these guys got a they've got a pretty simple crime that they're trying to commit. Something is going to get get thrown in that messes it all up. And at first, you think it's Marshall. Um, and it's not really Marshall. It's really Marshall just played these, by Will Forte. Will Forte's character, yeah. yeah. Um, it's really just that there are these little things along the way that all sort of together cause this crime to not work. You know, it, it paints this bigger picture of crimes like this just being a lot harder to pull off than you would think, right? Because um, the, there's just so many other variables in it, and the dynamic of it. And um, I don't know if you've seen Jackie Brown, uh, Spencer. Um, I have not. You have oh. not? Okay. Um, not a big deal. Um, <laughs> Probably my favorite Quentin Tarantino. No. It's, it's, yeah. It's my, I, it's my favorite part. Quentin Tarantino directed movie. Oh, yeah. oh, sorry. Quentin. Okay. So we got you know, a favorite you, script. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, the, uh, the movie Jackie Brown is essentially about the small and difficult tasks it takes for a crime to succeed. And this is all about how all those small, intricate details can lead to the failure of a crime. Mm -hmm. Like just yeah. everybody back backstabbing each other and like everybody having their own different motives. And I liked how they brought in characters from Jackie Brown, not just Ordell and Lewis, but they alluded to Melanie. Yeah, um, which they, is weird. Yeah, I don't they, know how that ties in, but I, I, I th even if it was just a similar name, I thought it was funny that they alluded to that. Yeah. and also Mr. Walker, the cat who yeah. uh, runs the fishing boat out of Mexico in Jackie Brown, he's the guy who's walking around with him uh, on the golf course. Yeah, they don't really mention him. Like they don't like outwardly say this is Mr. Walker, but. They, you see shots yeah. of him in the beginning when they're talking about it, and he says, Mr. Walker. So I thought that was pretty cool. You get to see characters that you didn't even get to see in Jackie Brown in this particular film. But at the same time, I appreciate the fact that they don't set this up like um, – I mean, we're into the spoiler section here. Uh, like, this doesn't end with Lewis going to jail. Like, it doesn't these, – these are the same characters, and we know them to some degree – but they are they're different they're telling their own story here it's not really dependent on Jackie Brown at all it's like, almost if you'd like never a seen Jackie Brown but yeah but if you'd never seen Jackie Brown it wouldn't affect this movie at all right like, I agree <laughs> um, right yeah um, it's kind of cool like I really love Lewis and so watching this movie like I really want to go back and watch Jackie Brown again because I feel like Lewis in this movie is such uh, a, a much more heartwarming character yeah um, and quite charming too as a matter right, of fact yeah right, which you he should definitely be on his like, side yeah, yeah. um and there's like a you know uh, Robert De Niro's version of him. There's a there's a there's a sliver of that, but he's got this you know slightly crazy side to him as well. I feel um, like the version in Jackie Brown is much more subdued, 
criminal who's been doing this for a long time. Exactly. And yeah. this is him at his younger stages. Yeah. But it also felt like a reboot. Like Spencer, as he just said, hasn't seen Jackie Brown, but you were able to follow the movie and you were able to enjoy it on a high level. Like you were able to appreciate stuff in there. Yeah, I know how even to watch with, movies. Yeah, even <laughs> but, but even without understanding, oh, this is a prequel to a, another story. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I feel you. Yeah, so it's easily accessible. One of the things that I also loved about it was that they also got like they, they got the feel down and they he doesn't try to I, what I love about it is the director Daniel Schechter who he did supporting characters two years ago and I thought that was a great film it was on my top 10 hmm. so to watch him develop from this uh, from supporting characters to this was interesting because he doesn't he doesn't homage Tarantino he but he he puts in music cues at the right times so he doesn't try to like like copy a Tarantino look he just he creates his own look and it feels naturally 70s yeah naturally with that vibe when he's not trying to go over the top the way that, that Quentin Tarantino does right like like Quentin Tarantino he's will blow subtle. those characters out and give them you know there's a reason why his version of Ordell has like the weird hair and like is really bombastic in the way that he talks like this Ordell is 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 a, is a cooler guy uh, you know, he seems a lot more normal, um, which is it's it's fine. It's just two sides he's of the much, same. He's coin. much more confident and unaware of the things that can go wrong. And if you notice in Jackie Brown, he's overly cautious. What do you think? What I don't see, I don't see a schedule of events. It's a little loose, but see, what we are right now is it be flexible. You see what I mean? And it can go down any time once the old man is gone. And now that we know that he's going away and she's going to be there all alone, that might be too good to wait. The guy's pulling about 50K a month out of Detroit. Not declaring it, not paying taxes any of it. Okay, why isn't that enough? Hold that over his head. He pays you or you go to the federal building. Because I know he's doing it, but I can't prove it. I tell you, the man ain't dumb. It ain't like he got his name on no papers or nothing. Could we take this man's wife? Okay, he's so scared that he gotta pay. And it ain't like he can stall us out and tell us, oh, you know, it's gonna take me a couple weeks to get the money together. Not if you wanna see his wife again. Hey, listen, Lord. You heard all about it. You with it or not? So he's been like, oh, I've seen th – that would explain the characterization where he's like, yeah. oh, I've seen shit over the years and now I know to be like, what the, what the fuck, Jackie? What the fuck? Yeah, right, <laughs> you know? exactly. But you have to see that progression and I think that totally works with this adaptation of right. of an Elmore Leonard novel, especially one where characters are connecting. Right, um, yeah. One of the things that I noticed about the film is that it didn't it didn't lag it did not not lag it didn't like feel slow it didn't feel as slow as a seventies film yeah. um, it had the right amount of speed for a modern pace thriller so I like the way he balances that out a little bit yeah um, and I mean also Tim Robbins <laughs> what's, what's the last time we seen him in a movie Green Lantern <laughs> uh, oh, was he in Green Lantern yeah oh man oh that's right he played the father of um, uh. of um, Brain guy. I'm, yeah. I'm not a Green Lantern guy. <laughs> no. I don't remember. Nobody, yeah, you nobody you, was. You, you don't need to remember Green Lantern. Dude, the last movie I seen him in was Tenacious D, The Pick of Destiny. Man. Tim Robbins was in that. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. We were talking about it. I haven't seen that, but like you, you watch him in the movie. He's he's fucking funny oh, as all heck. I love how he's just his interactions with Ilsa Fisher just remind us like, oh, Tim Robbins, who like you know I <laughs> actually just watched this week in the Shawshank Redemption. And you know he that guy he's always solid no matter what he does yeah. and then this one it's no exception. So the last scene where he's talking with Jennifer Aniston about like uh, getting a lawyer, 
and like the the different crimes that he's committed in fraud. I just liked the the battle they were having between uh, those two, and then watching Jennifer Aniston's response. Like he has that that line where he's like, "Um, you look different." You changed. Yeah. Just watching that connection really did it for me. You know what's funny? Mm-hmm. So the movie he was in before this was Thanks for Sharing. Uh, but then before that, Green Lantern. Green Lantern. <laughs> it really, <laughs> it really is not. Uh, nope. There's, there's a few things before between there. But still, um, <laughs> yeah, it really has. You know, he doesn't work as much as he used to. Mm-hmm. Um, probably because he doesn't need to. He doesn't need <laughs> to. He's Tim he Robbins. Kicks it. Yeah. yeah. That's sick. Um. Yeah. No. He was. He was really great. And and it's cool to see him, um, be a bad guy. He's a bad guy. He's, he's not a good guy. He's a shady character. Yeah. He's he's, he's dislikable. <laughs> dislikable. Um, you know. But you can see where he's coming from a little tiny bit, even though you don't agree with that. Nonsense. Yeah. Like you know he's uh, well it's, no because <laughs> if my wife was Jennifer Aniston I probably wouldn't <laughs> fly to the Bahamas Brad, and cheat on her. Brad but still, Pitt, you psycho. <laughs> Exactly. If I were Brad Pitt, wait a second. <laughs> um, Why did I leave that? <laughs> <laughs> One does not know. There, it must. Be, she must be crazy. She must be crazy or something. I would, got put, a, I would put up with a degree of bullshit <laughs> <laughs> if it were Jennifer Aniston. Yeah. <laughs> Jennifer Aniston meets Spencer Kane. Crazy meets crazy. I'll put up with a lot of your horse shit if you take care of me. <laughs> uh, you know who was really good though. Uh, was the guy who played Richard. Uh, let's see. Uh, Mark Boone Jr. Mark Boone um, Jr. Oh, my gosh, who, this character. Man, he was fantastic. <laughs> I can't like, remember the Switch, the novel, so I don't remember this character, but... I but he, th- I mean, he, he feels very much like a yeah, Elmore. Yeah, it's an Elmore Leonard character. So, yeah. I, I mean, I, I'm sure it's in the book. I like I haven't read the Switch since high school. Hmm. So, like, to, to to watch that character develop and also just... He gets dark. He gets really dark, and yeah. then and then it's lifted back up with such a comic moment in a in a dark setting. Um, when he finally gets shot down, it almost felt like a very darker version of that character in the producers. Um, mm, yeah. uh, Fra- um, um, Franz Liebkin. Yeah, right. <laughs> so. um, when he's a cool one, because like uh, one of the interesting things this movie does is that like we're used to crime films where things start to go wrong and. You know, people start getting killed and people start going to jail and all of that. But the truth is, he's one of the... What's interesting about this movie is that he's one of those pieces that then turns and corrects itself so that by the end of the movie, we get this really cool moment where the wife who was originally kidnapped and the two people who originally kidnapped her turn on Frank's new, uh, you know, Frank's hubby. Frank's new squeeze, yeah. And is like... Wait, we could just kidnap you, and then we'll all three get million a million dollars. <laughs> that last um, shot was brilliant. Like, like freeing them of all of that garbage, including Richard, uh, and being like, "Oh, we why don't we just do this again? Like we're gonna get the money eventually. Like the guy's got it. Like we know we've got it." I love the um, mentality of this film: is if at first you don't succeed, try, try again. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, like it's cyclical. Yeah. Like that when that crime fails, you just have to do it again until you figure out how to make the crime work for you. And it also has that story of finding your purpose. Yeah. <laughs> Jennifer Aniston finding her purpose in extortion, yeah. but yeah. still finding I mean, your she purpose. Does, she does like uh, apparently just sort of give up on her son altogether and be like, "Well, yeah, him. he was, was kind of a prick." That was a little open ended, <laughs> right? Uh, well, maybe she's getting a million dollars to give to him. Yeah, who knows? She wants she wants that money so she can take care of him. Right on. Sure. 
the beautiful thing about this story, it leaves it open ended. Yeah. Um, so overall, I would say this is a uh, this is a film to go check out. It's on VOD. Yeah. Um, despite how hard it was for James and <laughs> Spencer to find this film, um, <laughs> never made an attempt. Yeah, <laughs> not one. Um, you can go on to Amazon.com. You can go to um, uh, a bunch. Of, I think you can did it at Redbox, and it comes out in select theaters. Um, I believe uh, it's already out now. It's already so out like in, in LA and New York, you can get it. Uh, and then, you know, it's going to do the normal indie thing. So hopefully it'll do well enough that it'll start to tour around and you'll get it in your local towns. If you go to their website, uh, lifeofcrimemovie.com, you can actually request it at your zip code. Um, so hopefully, hopefully if enough can... people in your area say like, hey, go see this movie, you will get to see this movie. Yeah, go see this film. It's it's really fun. It's a fun cri- fun crime movie and a fun September watch, especially in a month that's, you know, dead Pretty as dead, dust. Yeah. yeah, it's like we're we're only getting like maybe one or two good releases this month and yeah. then the rest. So if you're looking for a fun film to watch that's new and exciting, check out Life of Crime. Yeah. yeah cool. That's exactly what I was going to say. Yes. <laughs> awesome. Next week we are. I'm not sure. Uh, yeah, we we still don't know what we're doing next week. Um, uh, uh, Cora is in town, um, so we're gonna have Cora on the show, and it's sort of her decision. So we will just be in touch, and you all will find out what we see next week. Next week, excellent, cool. Spencer, um, do you want to plug anything else before you leave? Uh, I know you have to get back to watching the streets of Denver, fighting right. vigilantly I don't know for what justice. Kind of crime has gone on since I've been <laughs> screwing around with you guys. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, no, I, uh, Boulder Buds, I, I feel like you can go on Facebook and check out Boulder Independent Productions. And um, Is it all getting gonna, shot in Boulder? Yeah, oh. shot on location a lot of the time. Yeah. Very cool. <laughs> How long is the shoot? Um, it's going to be uh, separated in, in over a couple weeks, okay. or maybe like a month total, a couple months, something like. Yeah. So. Do you have to do anything crazy, like shave part of your head and then have it grow back two weeks later? No. Are you going to have a Travis Pickle look? <laughs> For once, I just get to show up and just be me. But I am going to start taking some kung fu lessons because my character mm. knows kung fu. Uh, what nice. the fuck? Right. So Are you no, in the Matrix? Really be able to defend so now this is, the, this is the ultimate Spencer Kane character. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. This it's, is it's, the one who knows how to fight, the one who knows how to look good, the one who knows how to kick ass. I not mean, to mention a little bit of reaver here and there. Uh, yeah. There you it's, go. It's Spencer Kane, but high and knows kung fu. Bud beat up. That's deadly, baby. Bud beat up beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's the tagline of the film now. Yeah, Bud beat up uh, beautiful. Three people are going yep, to go see y'all it. Y'all owe me three bucks. Just to see Spencer <laughs> Kane. Hell yeah. Yeah, fuck it. You might as well retitle, retitle the movie now. Right. And before we leave, um, congratulations to Ryan having his kid. Yeah, uh, yes. yeah. Once again, uh, thank you for everybody and for the baby. Yeah. Because it's pretty cool. I went and saw it. And it was pretty neat. <laughs> I went and saw it. <laughs> yep. It was pretty dope. Right on. Cool little kid. He's lifting his head up and everything. It was adorable. He's like, James, you suck. (laughs) Son of a bitch. This guy's going to replace me on the podcast. It's just like Ryan. (laughs) I can can see my my career in podcasting going away as he gets groomed to take my place. (laughs) Kellen rises to the top. Yeah, yeah. Next week will be the baby podcast. All babies all the time. Welcome just to Ryan, Real Nuts Podcast. Ryan talking to his son. about <laughs> All like, babies all the time. All right. I like that. <laughs> all right, Kellen, this is... Uh, um, this is what we Nightmare watched this on week. Elm Street 1. <laughs> <laughs> now, let me explain to you why this one's important. <laughs> no, no. Stop crying. Why are you crying? Why are you crying? It's why? a movie. Yeah, it's no. Freddy Krueger's not real. <laughs> he won't invade your dreams at all. No. Come not on now. 
You need to grow up already. (laughs) This shit is serious. I would start with American Werewolf in London. Yes. Oh yeah. Yeah. There you go. If 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 Ryan's gonna start the kid off on a classy note. You know, get it with American Werewolf in London, or maybe a Dracula or a Frankenstein or something mm, like that. Yeah. Show them the classic monsters. Well, well, you got to show them a scary American Werewolf, and then show them yeah, a nice then... Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein. Yeah. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Or yeah, Lon yeah. Chaney's the Werewolf after American Werewolf in London. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember what the first like actual horror movie I saw was. Um, huh. Stay tuned next week when we find out the first horror <laughs> movie. <about laughs> <it. laughs> Think about it and get back to me on that. <laughs> Oh, all right, cool. Thank you so much, Spencer. Thanks for having me over, guys. Cool. Right. Get back to fighting the streets of Denver. <laughs> Thank you. You know, and if you see me on the streets, just remember I'm, you know, I'm. I'm remember ha- your face. Yeah, remember my face. So, <laughs> so that way, if I could be try to get, if somebody tries to rape me in an alley, you'll you'll come and you'll come and fight them off, right? You're like, you get them high, I'll get them low. <laughs> <laughs> bye. Uh, bye. Later on. Visit our website, realnerdspodcast.com. You can tweet us at real underscore nerds. You can email us even, realnerds at gmail.com. Like us on Facebook. Hey, stream us on Stitcher. You want to call us? 720-6Nerds5. And download us on iTunes. Just search Real Nerds. Thank you, Joe Kempter, for the wonderful voiceover. And also, Spark Mandrill, for the wonderful late-night jazz-smooth sounds of movies. You can find them on SoundCloud. This has been a Nebulous Visions production.